Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this incredible rip. I just ripped with Matt O'Dell. They're all good, but I think this one was especially good. You guys will, you guys will find that out. Uh, we did a shout-out section. Didn't forget the, the shout-outs this week. Uh, but if you, you've been paying attention to Twitter between the ending of the recording of this episode of RHR and the posting of it uh, to the internet, to our RSS feed, you may have seen that we got a shout-out literally five minutes after we stopped recording. Uh, Matt and I talked. He said, okay, you can you can read the shout-out without me if you put it before the ads. Please stay for the ads. I love our advertisers, but i got to read this first. Uh, so this is a shout-out that came in five minutes after we recorded. Uh, looking for a Jewish wife to have lots of babies with on a remote off-grid homestead in the Pacific Northwest. About me. I'm a 30-year-old. I'm 30 years old, and I'm passionate about Jewish mysticism, Bitcoin, anarchy, with a strong emphasis on Agora. I enjoy doing mushrooms and other hippie-slash-esoteric-slash-naked stuff under the stars and moon. I figured you are not on a dating app, and running into you in the woods seems unlikely, so a TFTC shout-out might be the best way to find you. Apply at boundlesspearl at pm.me. That's boundlesspearl at pm.me. Uh, first ever shout out looking for a mate on TFTC. If you like, if you're a Jewish woman and you're into the Jewish mysticism, I've never heard of Jewish mysticism. Uh, it's a new, new phrase to me, and you like doing shrooms naked in the Pacific Northwest woods. Uh, hit up Boundless Pearl at pm.me. He's looking for, he's looking for you. He's looking for you. Great rip. Privacy-focused rip this week. A lot of good stuff going on in the privacy world. A lot of disconcerting stuff going on in the world of KYC AML, particularly in Europe. AML D5. Pretty messed up. Pretty anti-freedom. Pretty anti-free speech. Pro-Digital Panopticon. You'll hear. We had the whole conversation. This episode brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Sorry for cursing in front of you, son. What do you say about the Cash App? He had nothing to say. He, he's shy. He's mic shy. Put the mic in his face. He didn't say anything. We have some guests coming, so he's going to leave the room. Uh, where are we? Cash App. Cash App's all you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats. We're saying sats, 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 because sats are... The standard. If you don't know what sats are, there are 100 million sats in one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can stack sats. You can buy dollars worth of sats on the Cash App. Uh, you can get cash sats back using the, the cash card boost uh, when you go to shop with your cash card wherever Visa is accepted. Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. Uh, and so you can get your direct your paycheck direct deposited into the app and start stacking sats that way. DCA and the sats, set it and forget it daily, weekly, bi-weekly. If you haven't downloaded the app, what are you waiting for? Use the code stacking sats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10 and $10 is going to go to our good friends. And Owls Lacrosse, that's Owls Lacrosse in Chicago doing incredible things. This rip's also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. What a fucking team at Unchained Capital. They keep crushing it. We talked about their their seed phrase. Led, seed phrase. We didn't talk about their seed phrase because we don't know their seed phrase because they're protecting their seed phrases because they're a custodian business. We talked about their seed round uh, led by NY Dig, uh, and they're going to be doing great things with that money, building great products, great things, incredible things, because they're building Bitcoin native products for Bitcoiners, all right, with custody in mind and security in mind. 
what we're shilling today is our white glove concierge service. It's going to take you from zero to having sats in a multi-sig vault of which you hold two or three keys in no time. With this white glove service, tell them TFTC sent you. You're going to get $50 off of, of the all-in service. And it comes with two Zoom calls. Or excuse me, I shouldn't say Zoom. I don't know what video conference they're using. It comes with two video conferences where they get you comfortable with multi-sig. They get you comfortable with their multi-sig vault with creating private keys, storing private keys, securing private keys. They're going to send you hardware wallets so that when you so that you can set up the vault. You're going to set up the vault. They're going to walk you through that process. They're going to handhold with their white gloves. Their white gloves. It'll even wipe your ass if you ask them to. Okay. <laughs> you're going to set up your multi-sig vault. You're going to have two keys. They're going to have one. And they're going to dump $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in the vault. So you go from zero, no knowledge about multi-sig, no knowledge about vaults, to having $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in a multi-sig vault. You have custody, collaborative custody. That is what Unchained is bringing. On top of that, they're bringing incredible uh, content to the game. Gradually, then suddenly, Dhruv's uh, Bitcoin in Space series, the HODL waves, very innovative uh, research analysts uh, of Bitcoin moving over time. And can't say enough about Unchained. Go to unchained-capital.com to check everything out. And we're going to have a link to the White Glove Concierge Service in the show notes. Last but not least, our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle uh, are on the roster as well. And they uh, they have a, a new product that's available to U.S. users, a, a lending product. If you want to put your Bitcoin up as collateral and similarly, similarly not have to give up full custody, you put it in a multi-sig escrow, uh, and you can get you can get uh, stable coins in return for putting your Bitcoin up as collateral. And if you're a U.S. user, you can access this now. So if you're in the U.S., which I know most of you listening to this podcast are, because I can see the stats, I can see the data. Hodl uh, Hodl is here. They have uh, this new product that's available to you. Uh, you. You borrow between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. You meet on the hodl hodl lend marketplace you, you find a counterparty you engage in a multi-sig transaction you put up bitcoin they send you stable coins you get some liquidity by borrowing you're using your bitcoin as collateral you're not having a taxable event you're doing it in a self-sovereign way with no third-party interaction uh, other than the escrow multi-sig account uh, and the great thing is you don't need to entrust anyone with your funds your collateral always remains locked in that escrow and you control the key to it okay um, and if you have stable coins sitting around, you can also put them up to, to earn yield on them if you want to do that. So go create your offers and set your own terms at lend.hodlhodl.com. That's L-E-N-D dot H-O-D-L H-O-D-L dot com. Shout out to all of our sponsors. Shout out to you freaks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us week in and week out. Um, if you guys are liking this, please subscribe, share, rate, review. Every little thing goes a long way really helps us out we really appreciate the feedback you guys give us really appreciate the shout outs that you guys give us we, we really appreciate everything we appreciate you you guys are the reason we keep coming back um and if you feel so compelled or generous to give us a subscribe a rating or review we'd really appreciate it bye bye y'all enjoy this trip okay You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that 
In a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Matt, we're uh, we're not at sixty five thousand dollars. You you came close though. Pretty you, close. Yesterday, the yesterday when when the price started pumping again, the freaks were like, "He's gonna do it. He's gonna make it." I, I let you guys down. I'm sorry. We're close. We're only sixteen thousand dollars away. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's just one big just one big move. Yeah, just one big 35 percent move upwards. We're there. I think it could happen. Maybe it'll happen during the show. Well, you know, it seems like the macro climate is 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 the most interesting it's been since since the beginning of the pandemic. I would say uh, yeah. it's interesting how like the stock market is kind of wavering. Interest um, rates are going crazy. We had another repo spasm last night. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, yesterday, uh, I and I only talk about it when it confirms my biases. Uh, Yesterday, the stock stocks were down. Gold was down. Silver was down. Um, the only two things that were up were was oil and and Bitcoin. And Bitcoin was up like eight percent for for the quote unquote day. I mean, Bitcoin doesn't really have a day. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if that happens, you know, if, if Bitcoin just like holds, you know, holds itself strong, it, it doesn't even have to go up much. Like in a in like a macro downturn type of situation. That especially with all this macro attention, it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. People will start, you know, truly believing that sats are their safe haven. I agree. I agree. No, it's uh, it's just gonna hover around this 50k level, uh, sustain uh, the the onslaught of of bad macro news. We we'll be good. Yeah, there's a bunch of things going on. Oil and Bitcoin pumping, two of my favorite things. Uh, I actually just recorded an episode for Gamcast with a with a very intelligent oil analyst um and he's he's specifically looking at a an energy bill that's making its way through congress right now and thinks that will have some uh some impact on on macro tensions well as well if it gets passed but we'll, we'll see um can't dive into too many specifics because we were speaking off record at this point but um yeah there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on a lot of moving parts we're here to talk about Bitcoin. We mentioned the price again, freaks. I'm sorry, we're not at sixty five thousand dollars. <laughs> I tried to be bullish. We what about slapped. next week, Marty? Next week, yeah, next week we'll be at seventy. So we're going to make up for it next week. <laughs> and well, how about Jesse Powell, CEO of Kraken? He just said Bitcoin, Bitcoin price to infinity. I mean, it pumps forever. He's stealing. He's just re-architecting your your meme. Bitcoin. It was designed. in all caps too. He said in all caps. Well, they, it was on Bloomberg, and Bloomberg did it. Did the subtitle <laughs> caps. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's going to infinity. We got the shark, Shark Tank guys in it right now. Kevin O'Leary is Kevin O'Leary your favorite shark? Or do we pit him and Cuban man. against each other? I love that he capitulated so early in the cycle. I expected it to be longer. He did say, "Yeah, the blood coins thing is like, we well, get the fuck out of here, dude." Yeah, and he said he said uh, a three percent allocation split evenly between Bitcoin and ETH. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, it, it's, it's too small of an allocation, but at least, uh, yeah. I, 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 it's funny seeing these guys turn. I think the the funnier thing is just seeing Mark Cuban for the second time 
he did a last cycle for the second time go from like absolute bitcoin denier like bitcoin's bananas to just like neck deep in shitcoin bullshit <laughs> right he's like back to an ico right in 2017 didn't he yeah and now he's on like a road show about DeFi. where and nfts like, yeah he's like doing a bunch of different promotions for them do we have to touch on nfts are we going to be forced to do that Um, I, we're definitely going to have to talk about it way more than we want to talk about it this cycle. Like, I don't think people realize, um, so, I mean, and, and like, they don't realize like how early into the bullshit of the cycle we are, like, it's already blowing up, you know, last, last cycle, we saw like Paris Hilton shilling like her own ICO and stuff. And now, um, she's going to be shilling her own NFT and this NFT is this idea of a, of a non-fungible token. So like, while here at TFTC, we've been focused on improving and, and making Bitcoin fungibility easier. Um, I guess and we should have been working on the opposite this whole time, right? Because all of a sudden people are pouring tons of money into these digital tokens that are, you know, not fun, not liquid between each other, not fungible between each other. Uh, so like you see things like, it's like basically like a certificate of authenticity on a blockchain. Yeah, I mean, it's already a mania phrase. Like, yeah, like Grimes sell like $3 million worth of NFT that Logan Paul sent, sell like $10 million worth of Pokemon NFTs. I mean, Kings of Leon just, they're about to release like an that, album on NFTs. Yeah, that's what I was looking up. Uh, Kings of Leon, of Rolling Stone tweeted out yesterday. Like that's um, just starting. That hype cycle is just starting. They came out, there was a, there's a new platform that Joe Weisenthal tweeted out yesterday, satirically, obviously. Uh, called NFT Fi, and it allows you to take collateralized loans off of your off of your fucking NFTs. Like that won't end absolutely horribly. Uh, hey, you're anti-innovation, toxic maximalist. Let the free market <laughs> reign. No, look, I'm I'm about people. I don't think anyone should stop it. I think you know, let let them let the market run its course. Like people have the right to get wrecked uh, if they choose to, you know try and speculate and trade on these things. Um, I think long-term, you know, they'll trend to zero when priced in Bitcoin. Uh, and I don't think, you know, they're a threat to Bitcoin. I just, you, the hype feels exactly the same. It feels like almost identical to the 2017 bullshit hype-wise. Um, and, you know, uh, narrative-wise, you know, oh, like you're just a closed-minded maximalist. And, and to be fair, like 2017 felt like a derivation of, of the previous cycle as well. Right. Yes. And I think this is what a lot of Bitcoiners um, refuse to believe in the in the bear market. And I think I was pretty consistent about it that like forever and ever there will be these things happening because this is what, you know, an open permissionless, you know, finance system represents. Uh, once you have this this base money that is that is censorship resistant, uh, permissionless, doesn't have any centralized ruler involved. Um, then all of a sudden, like, there's going to be a bunch of different scams and stuff that are going to accept that and operate on that around the world. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I'd like to hope that they would end. I think they're getting like less effective and egregious, know, or maybe they're getting more egregious. Yeah, it is annoying. We're gonna have to put up with it. People are gonna call you stupid if you just say, "Hey, I don't like NFTs. I don't see the reason in them. I'm not gonna buy them." They're gonna call you idiots. Some people are gonna be able to time the market correctly and they'll be like, ha ha, have fun staying poor. But really, it's a long-term game. I don't think maybe NFTs have a place 
somewhere in the market long term, but I, I just think the valuations that are out there right now are mind-bogglingly stupid. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but I think it's like not it's like novel, like this idea of like a, a like a certificate of authenticity that we could store the same way you would store uh, you know, Bitcoin. Um and, and trade the same way you would trade, you know, trade Bitcoin is, is like is novel and could be useful. Um, but I think like it's filled with hype. It's filled with bullshit. Um, and it's nothing I, new too. like that's that's another thing that annoys me about it. everybody's like, oh, look, this innovation. It's like counterparty was doing NFTs. And 20- yeah, but it's cleaner. Like the, it's more polished now. Right. Yeah, exactly. It is. But like they're acting like, oh, this is brand new, like innovation. It's like, no, nah, it's actually been around for seven years. If you actually paid attention. But uh, I mean, this whole like lending thing is just, they're going to build like this whole system on like, it's just going to be, it's going to be a fucking mess. And, and the biggest issue with, with shit coins has always been their lack of liquidity. Um, and now you're literally bringing down the liquidity to like one or like four, or 10 or 300 or whatever the, the amount of, of any specific NFT is. And it's just going to be brutal. Like when it turns, it's just going to be, you're just not going to be able to get rid of them. Uh, you know, people talk about Bitcoin as being like Beanie Babies. Like this is going to be like the like the proper Beanie Baby craze, like a better, you know, more analogous to the Beanie Baby craze. And it's just going to end so fucking, it's just going to get, you know, fucking destroyed. Yeah. It's nice to see people care about artists though. <laughs> Finally. For some reason, yeah, everybody's like very worried about artists and their ability to monetize. So, so there's an opportunity to to rip off people. Look, I still think, uh, and I, maybe this is controversial. I think NFTs will form a place in this, but you know, usually with art, um, you see the real valuations of the art. It increases after after they die, or significantly after the artist has has made their art. Um, I I think the more revolutionary thing for artists here, and you know. I'm not an artist, so maybe I'm wrong about this, uh, is, is that a permissionless Patreon global financial, Patreon-esque global financial system, right? Like this idea that you could have people from around the world basically sponsor your art creation um, in, in a permissionless way that you don't have to give Patreon a cut. And that, you know, that's what Bitcoin enables. That's what streaming payments could enable through Lightning. Um, so I think I think that's really going to be at the end of the day, when we look back five years from now and we look back and who's the most uh, successful, like mid tier artists. um, I think it's going to be the ones who have uh, basically a strong audience that, that is loyal to them and enjoys their, their, their art and wants to see more of their art and is willing to pay them, you know, sponsor them for that creation. Yeah. Or just stream them as they consume that art, particularly music. Uh, in this context, like the, the Sphinx model. Right. Like Sphinx mixed in with Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Maybe we'll be those artists who got it right in the long run. Uh, is podcasting an art form? Maybe. Or can Someone's we start calling ourselves artists? I'm, I, well, let's do it for a couple of weeks. See how many people we trigger. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I've been working at this art for, for quite a while. There's an art form to timing this conversation to having this conversation. I'm an artist. I'm a fucking artist freaks. Deal with it. <laughs> All right. That was artist that never edits. <laughs> That's part of the art. That's part of the art, Matt. It's an art form. 
sorry for that 15 minute uh spat of you guys hearing tftc talk business off air that he's not sorry at all wound up, wound up being on air um yeah i mean i and i i'm i'm more sorry about you know front loading this whole this whole episode with nfts when this is supposed to be like our nft free safe space yeah, uh, so sorry. we're going to try not to talk about it that often but but people are getting very taken away by it and i think it is important that we do comment on on those kind of things as they unfold this bull market i think so as well i think we did a good job i think this is that was a good opening segment that we're going to be able to go back and point to like hey we already talked about this we covered it here it is instead of rehashing it pun intended all right on to what we are here for the fungible token bitcoin current price is forty eight thousand two hundred seventy five dollars that's uh uh that's seven hundred twenty five uh, so $16,725 off for my, um, prediction last week. Sorry, freaks. Uh, one cuck bucks getting you 2,071 sats. We're hovering right at a $900 billion, uh, dollar market cap. Uh, GBTC and the QBTC premiums have been decimated and they're now trading at a discount around 4%. That's been interesting to see. Uh, one Bitcoin is going to get you 28.2 ounces of gold. This ratio is skyrocketing. It's at 8.31% right now. Uh, we are currently at block height 673,152. 18,644,611.34 Bitcoin have been distributed to the market. That's 88.78% of all the Bitcoin that will ever exist. We've got a downward difficulty adjustment coming this week. Uh, tomorrow's estimated uh to, to be the adjustment are 192 blocks away. And as of right now, uh, that's looking to be a negative 1.3% adjustment, a downward adjustment down by 1.3%. Blocks are currently coming in at 10 minutes and nine seconds. That's nine seconds longer than the 10 minute block time target that Satoshi set in the protocol when he launched it on January 3rd. When he put it in the protocol before he launched it, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, fees per block over one Bitcoin right now. Predicted next block is, is 1.1 Bitcoin. Uh, that would be 14.95% of the total block reward. Samurai unspent capacity. It's uh, staying strong at 1,979.31 BTC. That liquidity equates to 95.6 million cuck bucks. Um, they just they just updated the Whirlpool CLI too. Do we have that in the show notes? Yeah, we have that in the list. Okay. Big um, update. Big update. Big Correct. performance improvements. Yeah. Two thousand bitcoins, like it's that's no joke. No, it's not. It's a lot of sats. It's a lot of sats, freaks. Uh, I don't. Did we? I mean, we already talked about this pre-show. Matt and I, as always, basically recorded a podcast before we hit record. Uh, should we touch on the, the downward difficulty adjustment and the dynamics of the mining yeah, supply chain right now? Let's talk about this, Marty, because I've been staying at Airbnbs and I wanted to just bring around like an ASIC with me and just like plug it in at all the different Airbnbs I go to. Um, and I'm having a, like, it's a very, it's very hard for me to source a miner that's a reasonable price, even used market. Um, what gives? Yeah, it's, it's tight out there. It's tight out there. So there's many factors. One, the, the suppliers, like new models, are taking quite a while to come to market. And there's a, a lot of backup and lead time 
for those uh, due to the fact that space, leasing space on the foundry floors where the chips are manufactured is, is very tight right now as we have shortage of ASIC chips uh, throughout all industries, whether it be uh, Bitcoin mining, automotive, military, industrial complex. So the, the demand for ASICs is extremely high right now and uh, love it or hate it, um, Bitcoin ASICs don't have very high priority or the, the ability to, to sort of sway enough capital to, to get space on the floor. So that's certainly contributing where there's not like a lot of new ASICs coming to market. Um, another thing, uh, and I think this is something that the market, many people are overlooking and not uh, counting into their analysis of the, the ASIC market right now is the fact that I believe there's a number of companies that have pivoted to Bitcoin mining, particularly publicly traded companies, and they FOMO'd into the mining industry and bought tens of thousands of machines uh, without really knowing how to plug them in at scale. And so I think that's also a contributing factor. Like if you look at the press releases that have dropped from public mining companies over the last six months, they're forced to make these press releases because they're publicly traded and you add up the amount of miners <laughs> that, that, uh, that these releases have have uh, made the market aware of uh, when they were supposed to be delivered and what the hash rate is at now. It seems to be evident, at least to me, and many others believe this as well, that they have the miners, they just don't know how to plug them in. But in That's their quarterly statements, shouldn't it say how much revenue they're making, like how much Bitcoin they're making? So yeah, we should but be able we, to tell? We wouldn't know that until like, future statements. Yeah, quarterly earnings. Um, I mean, this is something we kind of, we've speculated about on this podcast on Twitter a bunch of times uh, in terms of, for me, in terms of the bull case of, of Bitcoin mining, censorship resistance, distrib distribution. So, I mean, one of the big threats for, um, you know, censorship on Bitcoin is to basically corral the miners, right? And, and we've seen these big companies like Marathon um, talk about like their clean block mining, uh, where they want to do like basically like chain analysis on the on the transactions they include in a block. Um, one of the things that that I've always considered that will make that less likely is I think that as these ASIC lifestyle life cycles increase, like as these ASICs remain profitable for a longer period of time, um, all of a sudden getting the electricity cost is like the is the number one. The, the number one decider if if you make if you how much profit you make how how profitable you are how where you can mine and and what you can mine profitably um and it's hard to do that at scale right isn't it like it should be a lot easier i think to have like a 500 machine operation than have like a 50,000 machine operation and 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 get low power at the same time like there's only so much cheap power in a certain place yes and we're getting into a very nuanced conversation hit your bingo boards uh and uh part of our strategy at great american mining is we intentionally seek energy sources that are off-grid because like you just mentioned scaling on grid is significantly harder you, you just run into uh, competition with consumers who are using that electricity and, and drive the price up and then uh yeah the physical constraints of any given uh the centralized energy provider um, and so that's why we focus 
on off-grid energy sources at Great American Mining because we just think long-term miners are going to be forced off the grid because the competition is just going to get too hot and the, the prices are going to be too elevated. And are those usually smaller operations? Yeah, like our containers uh, have like 130 to 160, or we can get 200 in some of them, actually, we, we think. Yeah, it's so like a magnitude two- smaller than some of these like massive operations. Yeah, and we can just deploy in chunks when we find that stranded energy and we think it's a much more scalable version uh of this business model long term which is actually pretty contrarian but i think we're being uh, validated to to a certain degree it's interesting because for pretty much everything uh in our lives there's a massive economies of scale so the more you make of something in a central location um the cheaper you can make it uh, and 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 so so nat- natural market forces lead you to, um, you know, basically having the market centralized between just a few players. Uh, the with with mining though, with 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 getting power at at low cost, it really does. As more power is needed, especially by the network, and more power is consumed by the network, it becomes harder and harder to get like a large percentage of 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 the network's power capacity or however you want to word that power draw um, in like one central location or country or something like that. Yeah. You just natural forces of the market price you out. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, we're pretty happy right now that you're going to have a downward difficulty adjustment this week. Cause, cause again, like, so if anybody's new to Bitcoin, new to this podcast, number one, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and we're to the nature of the feedback loop historically in, in Bitcoin is that the price rises and so that creates an incentive to plug in miners, which increases hash rate, which makes the network more secure, which makes people more confident to put their money into Bitcoin, which raises the price, which uh, makes the, the block reward more lucrative. So it makes people plug in more miners. And so this is the natural feedback loop that, that Bitcoin uh, incited in, in January of 2009. Um, but right now, due to the factors that Matt and I have been discussing um, uh, over the last 10 minutes, the feedback loop has sort of been perturbed a bit where the price has gone up 5x over the last six months. Or I don't know exactly what timeline. It's gone up significantly, uh, but hash rate has not tracked that. Um, right now we're sitting at 147 0.2 exahash per second and we were at like 135 in september of last year and the price of september of last year was significantly lower than it was so you would actually expect hash rate to um to track oh excuse me 147 exahash over the last 90 days over the last 2016 blocks it's 153 so a bit higher uh, but still not as high as one would think it would be as the price has been running as hot as it has been over the last six months so I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I think we we never we didn't have this issue last cycle. No. Uh, so so it's it's this this increase in price to is just really stressing all the supply lines. And then you also have, I guess, you think a couple supply supply hoarders or, or that not not supply hoarders, but they're holding they're holding machines that they're not running. So I guess what's the next step? The next step is. Is that those those companies will either figure out how to plug them in, or they'll sell them on the market, probably for Bitcoin, right? Yeah, to my, 
they're publicly traded companies, so I don't even know if they can trade them for Bitcoin. Well, if they trade them for dollars and then immediately convert their treasury into Bitcoin, it's the same shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that, that could certainly happen. We'll see. Uh, yeah, it's many factors, right? You got to take in the, it's like this perfect storm. Like last year, the supply, global supply chain shock that's playing into COVID. it as well. Um, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful shit storm where if you're a miner that's able to execute right now, you're you're benefiting pretty pretty handsomely from from this this weird what dislocation. Um, I feel like last cycle we had way more uh, POW shit coins. Like most of the shit coins now are like proof of stake, right? Like, is there like a is there still a GPU market? Like, where what's going on? Do you, are you connected at all into the into the shitcoin gpu market uh no i mean we focus on bitcoin obviously that's the only thing we mind but yeah i have heard that gpus have have been going i mean eth is pretty as much as we disagree with <laughs> that project and it's well uh, eth has long... asics now no they don't i'm pretty sure they're still gpu they like no one they're they're not like official asics yeah i'm pretty sure it's been might... speculated for a while that there's unofficial ASICs on Ethereum and no one wants to really talk about it too much because there's a very anti-miner yeah. uh, contingent in Ethereum and they know that they'll either change the algorithm or they'll push to get proof of stake done quicker, um, if that's even possible. But like, but basically the pull play on the Ethereum land is to scare the shit out of anyone who wants to do a long-term mining investment on Ethereum. Which is so stupid. But with that being said, I don't, yeah, well, I do know that GPU prices have been going up pretty significantly. I don't know if there's a supply shortage. I know the demand is certainly high and the prices are rising, but uh, yeah, I, I, we don't purchase GPUs, so I, I don't know. That I, just feel like, I just feel like I saw way more people talking about GPU mining last cycle. Uh, and, and, and it wasn't, a lot of times it was, it was to immediately convert it into Bitcoin. They would just mine the altcoins and then they would immediately convert them. Yeah. And I well, just actually, really haven't heard, been hearing that much about it. This, this is a good natural set. Yeah, neither have I. Um, I think people are just speculating on the spot markets. But this is actually a good a good segue into our, our shout-out uh, section and the first shout-out of the week. Um, you'll understand why in a second. Let me start by thanking you guys for all the good work you do. Thank you. Appreciate you thanking us. Uh, this week, a huge mining platform kicked the can and took the nice face hat or quote unquote nice face mask off. Nice hash went down the path of full KYC and in uh, using very worrying terms of service. They forced all users to accept the new terms of service on March 1st or to delete their accounts. They will now sell user data, provide personalized ads. You know how this works, force you to run their mining manager with full admin rights on your PC and a bunch of other sketchy things. They're making it look like they're the only way for you to be able to be into mining. They had a huge marketing campaign on YouTube and a lot of very young kids are joining uh, and running the software on their gaming PCs. NiceHash also started banning users on Reddit who are calling them out and telling other miners they can mine without them. They can't mine without them, I think. Um, that was a typo. A lot of shit is going down in that platform. Be aware. Uh, so shout out to this freak for the shout out. I think this is... Very interesting information that I was not aware of until. Um, Nice has always been sketchy. Yeah, they got hacked. Um, 
and you had all like basically all the Bitcoin stolen out of hot wallets. The the two easiest ways to mine with GPUs, Minergate and NiceHash, and they're both always have been very questionable. Yeah. Um, this shotgun KYC is is the worst though. I I hope they didn't hold funds hostage, but I assume they probably did. And then NiceHash also has also has like a a mining rental operation, right? Where I think they do. I think they broker rentals between people i'm not sure that's what um, like the calculator when it's like 51 percent attack how much does it cost is based off of if you rented the hash off of nice hash because you can rent like um like you can rent the hash to attack bsv or something because it's like one percent of the hash power you can just like rent it on nice hash to to do the attack if you wanted to yeah yeah so beware freaks the, the, the fact that they're selling they're making you use their firmware taking control taking admin rights of the pcs very sketchy like i would not run that i would consider that malware yeah but these softwares are always like malware-ish and basically what they they trade you is they trade you the convenience of not learning how to use the command line and using the default client of whatever coin you want to mine and they also usually have an auto switching uh component to it so like um, and Honeyminer did the same thing. And the Honeyminer was also, you know, very questionable. Um, and they, oh, they, they, there was a, a stage there where they were holding user funds and they, they found the withdrawals. Um, but uh, the, the, the model is, is like, it's just this clean little program that you can install and it'll automatically switch between whichever shitcoin is the most profitable at any given time. Um, instead of, you know, you picking individually which one you want to mine and using like the command line. And then they also take a cut on top of all that. They usually, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it was Honeyminer or Minergate. One of them got caught lying about the hash you were producing. They would just say like you were at a certain Feeling hash rate hash. and they were just skimming the top and then taking a fee as well. That's yeah, fucking screwy. <sighs> if you want to mine alts, go into Reddit you know, go into their discord and shit and like learn how to do it do the, the proper research. way. Like use your own full node. <laughs> if you're going to be a shit corner, be a proper shit corner, use your own full node, run the actual software and learn how to do it the right way. Yes. It's good advice. If you want to do it, um, I'd recommend just buying Bitcoin, but yeah, it's a good it's learning fun. experience. Yeah, is, you can't do that with Bitcoin now. Uh, so like you can, you can see how it works. Cause a lot of them are forks of Bitcoin. Uh, so like the, it's, it's very similar to, so their, their, their mining CLI interfaces are like very similar to Bitcoin as well. Mm -hmm. Beware freaks, beware. Thank you to whoever sent us that shout out in that PSA. Second shout out of the day, try. You don't know what you can do unless you try. This message was purchased with funds from a friend's dead EC that was brute force with a Python script. Make yourself challenges and try. Step into the unknown and learn. Best regards from the underground Ben Bitcoin crew. Backstory, my friend purchased a dead handwritten private key from his ex-girlfriend over a year ago. <laughs> and he was very sure he would never see the funds again. Over beers, he starts telling us the story and, I, and said if I could break it, he would split the funds with me 50-50. Uh, so he used a Python SHA-3 and ECDSA library to generate uh, a private public key and address nested for loops, did character replacements on the original seed and compared to output addresses to the funded address. The code ran for 25 minutes on an offline computer with over 1 million attempts before getting the seed. Two hex values had been written down wrong 
so that was the problem with why they couldn't recover it. Um, and the ETH has been traded up for Bitcoin. So be kind. Um, and I guess if you're looking for the servers, service as well, if you think you could have a seed that is uh, that you wrote down improperly, uh, you can email these guys at bendorganbitcoin at protownmail.com. Don't send anyone your private key, freaks. No. That's a good point. <laughs> is this a honeypot? Do we it just honeypot be. the freaks? Do not, do not, do not send this guy. Do not send whoever Marty read, read the thing. Ah, see, this key. is why we have Matt Odell here. <laughs> um, we'll hope that it's in good faith, but still at the same time, do not send him anything. Yeah, yeah don't do that. But I guess this is a good lesson on uh, there, private key entropy. There is a um, a respected OG um, who I, I know multiple people have used him for that you could use it as your like last ditch. Like really, you should never send anyone anything. Um, but if you tried every other option, uh, really what you should do is you should wait even longer just you know because if if there there might be a solution in the future um but if if you're in a rush and you want to just try and get it done and see if something can happen i, I think it's, it's wallet recovery services.com um like he's been around since like like 2012 or 2013 or something like that and he's had so many big guys that he's helped um so like at least from reputation wise uh, they, he's got a pretty good reputation, but, uh, I mean, obviously you are trusting him with, with private information. Yes. And this is a good lesson. This is why it's important when you first create a private public key pair, make sure you write it down properly. And before you send any funds to the public keys associated with your private key, test it out, make sure you can recover, uh, create a wallet, wipe it, and then recover make sure you can import that seed and it does so correctly and has the same public addresses that it did when you first created it. You, you, you do it once and that's the best thing too. Once you do that recovery and you, you document that you did the recovery successfully, you have that peace of mind knowing that if you're able to protect that seed, you know that it will work if you need it to recover because it worked in the past. Yeah. I mean, you kept breaking up for me on my side. Yeah, you were um, you were cutting out. I think we're good on my um, side. I think it was your side. But in general, I do agree with the premise that you should just you should always test the restore process. And specifically, if you're using a hardware wallet, it's just best to have a second hardware wallet restore to that, and and that way you have a a fully initialized uh, backup device that's just a direct copy of your existing device. Yes. Beware, freaks. Last shout out of the day. Really, really interesting one. I met a, a Bitcoiner in person. Uh, near my village by the sea. Uh, and he did the first ever in-person shout-out exchange. So he, he gave me an open dime with $50 worth of sats and a handwritten shout-out on a piece of paper that I'm about to read. This is the coolest shout-out. The best part is it's an orange open dime. Did you um, verify the open dime? I did. There it works. Go. Use my block clock to do it too. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> right? It's, uh, it's sweet. So here's the shout-out. Most Alex, people, and, oh, well, sorry. Most people don't realize that the block clock is like an open dime hub. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Okay, continue. Alex, Andrew, et al. I'm stoked to join the team. Looking forward to meeting up with everyone on Monday. That's simple. Um, Let's fucking go. Yeah. 
uh, it was a really cool experience. Uh, I'm not going to dox this Bitcoiner, but we, we met um, at a bar, had a few drinks yesterday, great conversation. He had a son right around the age of my son. We met up again this morning for a little play date. It's a good time. Good time. Shout out. Shout out to you, Freak. You know who you are. That's a awesome. pleasure meeting you in person. Don't uh, just just keep the money on the on the orange open dime. I feel like a a a unbroken orange open dime could be worth a quite of a premium in the future. That's what we'll do. Um, all right, back to the list. We haven't even gotten to anything on the list. And I know it's a little stressful to you. We're going to start. We're going to front load with controversy, bottle pay flagging, samurai, <laughs> whirlpool. Do you want to do the disclosure? Disclosure, Matt's an advisor, <laughs> bottle <you>. pay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's been a, uh, so this was on Tuesday, um, right before dispatch. So this is following my discussion that I had on dispatch with the freaks, if you tuned in for that. Um, Bottle pay just recently relaunched fully KYC regulatory compliant business in based out of London based out of the UK. Um, They're currently only accepting UK customers. Um, UK works under AMLD5 uh, and their interpretation of it and I'm not I'm trying not to speak for them I'm an advisor but like you gotta I have a very you know I have a small little equity position I'm an advisor and I try my best to um, try my best to, to help to help them build the best product possible right and and it's not in return for promotion or endorsement uh, I think that's very important to make clear. Um, also, I cannot speak for them. So I'm not speaking for them. I'm speaking for myself. Uh, they have not released a statement yet. They are going to release a statement. They told me they're going to release a statement. Um, one of the issues with these types of things is that because of the regulatory environment, people don't feel comfortable talking freely. Like everything has to go through like a bunch of different uh, compliance people and shit like that. Um, but anyway, what happened was a user deposited Samurai Whirlpool coin joint funds. Uh, Bottle Pay flagged it, and they sent back the funds to the user. Didn't close their account or anything. Um, this is obviously, you know, not ideal. Uh, it's a concern that we've had on this podcast for basically since we began, which was that coin joint is very obvious on chain. Uh, it's a trade-off we tried to make very clear to the freaks uh, that that services could flag. Uh, they they could you know not accept uh, coin join funds. Uh, I do want to be clear that whatever happens going forward, I am completely in the same boat. Like I all my funds are, have coin join history, so like I theoretically couldn't deposit it into Bottle Pay either. Uh, so, I mean, besides the fact that I'm not a UK resident. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, I mean, I, I think really, I, I, I don't think people should send, send funds into these, into any kind of KYC service. Uh, I, I think of them as like, I think KYC is extremely dangerous privacy wise. And I, the carve out for me has always been uh if you're taking like your fiat kyc paycheck and you're taking that from your fiat bank account and then moving that into bitcoin and then going into CoinJoin, so we have talked explicitly on this podcast before about the potential of services blocking 
CoinJoin usage, blocking accounts, flagging accounts for CoinJoin usage after withdrawal, which isn't what this was. This was during deposit. And we've seen that with BlockFi in the past. And today we had a report that Bitstamp is doing it on the withdrawal side. So I had a freak reach out to me this morning um, saying that Bitstamp is flagging withdrawals and he used Wasabi and he used it after they removed the fixed fee address. So the freaks remember we had the fixed fee address issue where basically it seemed like exchanges, it was rubbed right in their face. It was like plus token was like one hop away. Um, and just, they were just flagging a bunch of Wasabi transactions. This one was after that happened. So it was about a year ago, this guy did this Wasabi coin joint. So he withdrew. I, I, I told the freak I would be as I'd say the, the, the over the, what happened, but not any details about him. Um, but like he sent me screenshots and stuff. The, and apparently he sent 6102 screenshots as well. Um, I, he was like a normal stacking freak, right? So just a very simple flow of just constant buys, no sells, no deposits. He was just constantly buying a small amount, withdrawing it, and then going through Wasabi. Um, and like a year ago, he did that. And he still has been using his Bitstamp since then. And it flagged from a year ago. They asked him questions about that. And they made him give a bunch of new KYC information. And then they, they said, here's your two transaction IDs. What are the post-mix like, destination addresses? Yes, where did these, uh -huh. where did these coin joins go? Um, and we want proof of that, you know? Um, so did he it's escalating. It? What? Go on. Did he give him that info? So what's really fucked up is they asked for the additional KYC info without mentioning like the Wasabi anything. And then after he gave the extra KYC, they were like, okay, now there's these two transaction IDs. Where do they go? They, he asked them after that. So I don't think he gave them that second part. And he was a responsible freak. He has no funds on the exchange, right? Which is, I think, a really important whenever you're using one of these regulated entities, you want to keep as little funds as possible uh, on them. So that if there is a closure and you have like $300 on it, like you lost your $300. Um, but, but uh, so I don't know what he's going to do next over there, but uh, he or she, but uh, yeah. So between the two of them in the same week, different services, right? So neither service can be like, it's, you know, one of the others, it's, it's Samurai Whirlpool on the bottle pay side and, Wasabi on the withdrawal side on the bit stamp. I would say the withdrawals are more troubling, but just in general, I mean, um, I think we're it's 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 been a it's been a bit of a bearish week for me in terms of of that aspect. You know, I think people don't realize like it's the regs are gonna get tighter. I think companies should fight back more now because I think they can. Um, but I think eventually they won't be able to, but they still can right now. And I, I, I'd like them to fight back more. I think it's important for users to realize that, that companies feel that they can't communicate as well as they, as they probably should be. Um, and, and there's like this big Mexican standoff going on between like regulators just have guns to the heads of like all these companies and like no one's talking about it. Yeah. That's not a Mexican uh, standoff. That's a hostage situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think I, but I think this is something that like freaks should expect. So we should expect basically 
you know, the, the, the these re- regulated companies, like th- there's a chance that, that on ramps get, we've said this in the past that they like, they make it so that self custody becomes more and more difficult. One interesting aspect here is if we go back to the bottle pay thing is that they do have, um, lightning deposits and withdrawals. Um, so I wonder how that factors into it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, if, if your coins are in UTXO, it goes into Lightning before you deposit it. Um, so so I, I think Lightning could be an interesting... That's an interesting thought. Like, do the receiving Lightning payments, and they can tell the node that it's coming from, that they look at the channel opening transaction and then make a decision from there. And what I'm, And like, maybe that Lightning node got funded by another Lightning node. Right. So there's like there's definitely some interesting aspects there, but I think ultimately what happens is 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 on a long term basis, as long as you're willing to hold for five years, um, which is what I think everyone should do. Any, I think it's a prudent financial decision to like accumulate and hold Bitcoin. Um, there's no way that you can enforce coin blacklists like at scale. Uh, with people running like independent BTC pay servers and stuff like, yes, it could be practical that they, that like the powers that be are able to stop you from easily converting, you know, like a half a million dollars into your bank account, your regulated bank account. Um, no one's arguing against that. Like I wouldn't even want, like you try and do that now, they're going to like be all up your ass no matter what. Right. But like, if you're buying like a $15 sandwich, you, like if you think, well, first of all, that sandwich, you know, got really expensive because of inflation. But if you're buying a $15 sandwich, like what is the merchant going to do, expect it to do uh, like complete chain analysis on you? Like, where does it, where do you draw the line? Like, where is, where does, where does that UTXO stop being risky? Is it, is it once it touches CoinJoin forever, forever and ever until Bitcoin dies? Like it had already touched CoinJoin once. So now it's like never spendable again. Or is it more practical and it's like a couple hops in a couple years and then like, where do you draw that line? And you can't, that's the issue. Um, so it's just, it doesn't be at scale. If, if you try and do any of these policies, um, I think you just end up basically with a, in practice, like a, a self-custody, self-sovereignty ban. Um, they just become so onerous. Yeah. Like to operate in any kind of self-sovereign manner uh, that most will choose not to, but at the same time, like, there'll just be like a whole gray, dark economy that's happening. Right. And that economy will be hard to stop. So I just, it's a, it's a bit troubling and, and, you know, I'm hoping that the statement tomorrow is a good statement. I would like to see a statement from Bitstamp. Like we probably won't get one. Um, but it does, I do feel like and I have disclosure, I've thought this for like six years. I do feel like the noose is tightening faster than, than you, we would like. Um, and it's going to get, I think it gets harder rather than easier to buy Bitcoin in the near term. Um, and it could become like almost impossible to sell Bitcoin uh, through any of these like regulated entities. And, 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 and that, that should be the, the model that, that the freaks are operating on. Agree. Now huddle around, freaks. Huddle around. Turn up the volume. It's time to pep talk. We've got to fight back against this. Like Matt said, hey, people working at exchanges, I know you fucking listen to the show. Start fighting back. This is onerous. It doesn't make sense. 
And like we say time and time again, it's completely ineffective. This is not freedom. A coin join is just a certain transaction constructed a certain way. If you seed ground on coin join specifically, you're, you're basically saying people can't use Bitcoin in a certain way. It is the nature of the open source protocol, the way you can construct transactions. It's just possible on Bitcoin. So if you start there and you say, hey, uh, you can't use Bitcoin in this way, uh, what's to stop them from saying, hey, you can't use Bitcoin at all? You got to start fighting back. The Bank Secrecy Act is a fucking shit stain on United States and freedoms. KYC AML is completely ineffective. And the people enforcing these laws are the biggest criminals in the world. Like, it's, I know you people working on exchanges around the world. I know our audience is global. I know you're listening. I know you like our shit. It's time to start standing up. We need strong men and women to stand up against this insanity. It's time to fight back. Grow a sack. Grow a vag. Like, it's time to go. Like, we need to step up and speak up. And that's why we have this show. That's why Matt's extremely vocal about this. Why I'm extremely vocal about this is because the power of speaking up actually works like if you just cower in fear and get get dicked in the ass by by these onerous regulations let it happen without speaking up and pushing back so it's going to keep seeding ground keep seeding ground they're literally trying to make it illegal to do construct a bitcoin transaction in a certain way it's a communications protocol you can communicate in different ways a coin join transaction is one of the ways in which you communicate they're trying to make that illegal Stand up, fight back. These people are evil. They are the biggest criminals in the world. And they don't care about you at the end of the day. They don't give a fuck about you. Yeah, well said, Marty. I just, I just, you know, a coin join is a batched multi-party Bitcoin transaction with privacy best practices taken into account. Um, They're extra important because if you don't use caution when sending Bitcoin, um, if you don't use caution when sending Bitcoin, uh, you can leak a lot of financial information, not just with the person you're transacting with, um, but also from an external observer. And I think from a practical sense, like people have to ask themselves, um, should your boss know your spending habits? Like, should your, should your landlord know your spending habits? Should the Chinese government know your spending habits? Should some random ad agency, um, some massive surveillance ad agency know all of your spending habits your net worth your salary Did your abusive husband know your spending habits like exactly like it's line. ridiculous it's just it's it's not it's it, it should not be a controversial opinion that people should have basic financial privacy when transacting with bitcoin um and coinjoin provides that uh in a way that is is not illicit in nature there's nothing inherently illicit by constructing a Bitcoin transaction using privacy best practices. Um, so I think it's important that people make that really clear uh, and, and that people practice that right and actually use the tools uh, because that's really like, that's why we talk about the Whirlpool liquidity pool, right? Like that number going up is super important because that number, that number is the amount of Bitcoin that, that these institutions are are not willing to fight for in terms of customer base, right? So the, the more we have of, of people doing that, um, the more financial incentive you have for, for these these companies to to actually be aligned with with their users in that respect, right? Yes. Yes. So let's pump that number. Let's get that number going up. Should we just start memeing? We're all pulled to a hundred K. 
<laughs> but to be clear, like I, like this is something, you know, the, the thing, the what I'm most disappointed about is just like the lack of 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 clean communications and messaging, and 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 it, that's part of like the regulatory environment. Um, but it's not a full excuse for any of these companies, and 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 they they should have as clear of a framework as possible for their users ahead of time, for their users to know ahead of time while still complying with whatever onerous regulations they have to comply with. Um, because the users should know. And, and in that respect, I do appreciate that like the user's account wasn't closed and the funds were immediately returned to him. They didn't hold the funds hostage. They didn't request all these extra documents and stuff. They just sent the, the money back. Um, that's a way better. And to me, I, we've talked about this in the pod before. I, as far as I'm concerned, I'd be fine with all regulated institutions just not allowing deposits. Yeah. Just like one, the way, Swan, one way out. Swan doesn't even let you sell, let alone deposits. It's only withdraw, but you know, buy and withdraw is all you can do on, on Swan. I don't think strike, I don't think strike takes deposits. Like I, I think I think I'm I'm completely fine with that as a model. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't, but whatever, because I just would never use that feature and it gets it creates buy pressure on Bitcoin. Um, but I think there is a, I don't think you can safely use these services, um, unless you also use them with CoinJoin. because you're, when we talk about, you know, tying your, tying your financial transactions on uh, leaking that data with someone you're transacting with, imagine the person you're transacting with has like all your passport information, all your identifying information as well. Um, and, and they might not even be malicious. That information could get leaked or hacked. Um, so if you can't use CoinJoin in connection with that, there is zero safe way that you can ever use that service. Yeah, it's um, putting people in physical yeah. in harm's way, right? Like imagine, like if you're not allowed to use CoinJoin, you're like I mean, you're somebody who has a lot of sats, like, and you do a transaction, one-off transaction with somebody you may not know too well, and they're able to see your full stack of where your UTXO is coming from and they've done a transaction with you and have some identifying information can find you in the physical meat space world and they know how much Bitcoin you have and disincentivizing coin joins uh, leads can arguably lead to more dangerous situations in the real world. It's fucked. Imagine if you went to a bar and like you bought a drink and the bartender knew your fucking salary right like that's the most it's the most crazy fucking thing in the world it's not practical and as you know, especially in a world with lightning and stuff i lightning and liquid and other other layer twos atomic swaps all these different fucking things like it's it's hopefully it is just it hopefully it should just be a short-term pain point because we still have these you know these large connections to the these large connections to financial institutions, right? Like ideally there's like this whole circular Bitcoin economy that develops that is completely separate um, yeah. from, from those hooks. It's going to take time. And with all this being said, I know we're a little uh, down in the dumps right now, but uh, the, the state of being able to attain privacy using Bitcoin has gotten better throughout time. I think it will continue to get better with some of the solutions that Matt just mentioned. It is it is very important to be aware of the subpar nature of privacy when using Bitcoin uh, at, at the current time, but also be aware of the progress that has been made and that could potentially be made in the future 
if people keep bringing these tools to market, which I believe is going to happen. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think one of the reasons why we're so so these companies they rely they outsource their liability. This whole world is is set up in a litigious way where everyone just tries to offload liability onto others, right? Um, and these exchanges and services offload their liability oftentimes, you know, to these chain surveillance companies, and the chain surveillance companies give them risk scores. Um, and we know that some of the some of the companies simply they just flag it as coin join. They say coin join has happened. This is a risky behavior, and they're kind of you know they're kind of admitting that they can't tell the difference between the overwhelmingly legitimate law abiding use of coin join and the illicit use because it actually works. You know, so instead of instead of actually determining, okay, this is illicit, this isn't, they have to, you know, they, they don't have to, but they instead they they respond by just trying to label it all as risky. Yeah. So it kind of shows that 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 it kind of shows how much of an improvement we've had in terms of of Bitcoin privacy tools over the last two years. We've been massive, like the the samurai stack alone is is massively easier to use and more powerful than it was two years ago. Agreed. Agreed. Let's continue that progress. We're going to talk about the Whirlpool update later, but we got a very heavy front load of privacy tech on this week's list. Um, so again, I know we just went down a very nuanced conversation about coin joins, but hey, we're going to add another layer of nuance to this privacy conversation uh, because there's many ways to leak a private information when when using Bitcoin. One of the ways in which you can do that is when you're when you're actually broadcasting transactions to the network. If you're using ClearNet and your IP is identifiable, that is a privacy leak. The government could see your IP, know where that IP is physically located, and come knock on your door and say, "Hey, I saw you broadcast this Bitcoin transaction." A way to make that more private is to use services like Tor and Now, um, uh, which has been in, included in Core for for some time. And now uh, with the release of version 0.22.0 of Bitcoin Core, which hasn't been officially released yet, um, they're, they're tightening up the code base. Uh, what is going to be included in that is the inclusion of I2P network support, which is a Tor-like service, uh, another anonymous um, communications protocol that allow you to broad, broadcast transactions using this avenue to prevent the the... Uh, IP leak that that would leak some privacy data. Uh, yeah, I mean, I2P is something that uh, we've talked about on this podcast before about it's an alternative network to Tor. Um, so that doesn't like privately. it too much, but um, well, I mean, it's just it's it's been a in two weeks kind of thing for a while. You know, people have it's been hyped for a while, um, but it's good to have options in Core, especially since recently. Uh, Tor reliability has really been put into question. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to see. Yeah, it so. does not really help with any of this. It's it's completely different privacy conversation. It's network privacy instead of chain privacy, which is what we we're just talking about. Yeah. Um, I also want they're just, you know, freaks. If you think like this isn't like all I've been thinking about this whole week, like you're completely mistaken. Uh, so apologies if I bring it back to it one more time. I think there's also like a distinction here that people should realize from the US-based companies versus the Europe-based companies. Um, 
And like in a lot of ways, Europe was, was, had, had better regulatory environment for a while. And now it's significantly worse, I think. And in, in, in both these cases, the two recent ones um, was bid stamp and bottle pay. Uh, so hopefully, and this is like such a ridiculous statement to make, uh, ho hopefully American regulations are a little bit more sane. I mean, we have the worst regulations in the world just historically, and we tend to put it on other people. But uh, in terms of coin join, there's like a very strong free speech argument. And, and we do lead the way in that regard still. Yeah. Let's hope we can keep leading. Bitcoin is free speech money. Uh, yeah, the, these countries trying to flag coin joins are, are not free speech advocates. It's, you hate to see it. Uh, this is something that the world has been waiting for for quite some time because it's been talked about for quite some time. Uh, <laughs> it's is, still going to take quite some time. Yeah. So uh, Paul Stork, Bitcoin developer who's... Uh, who's been pushing the idea of a drive chain, which is a certain type of side chain uh, on the Bitcoin network for, for years now. Um, he wants to create uh, a, a, an app called HiveMind, which would create prediction markets and futures markets via side chain on Bitcoin. Uh, it's been talked about for, for a long time and, next, and people have been wondering, all right, like when are we going to see a drive chain in the wild? Uh, we're not going to see it on mainnet just yet, but earlier this week, uh, Paul launched a, a Zcash uh, drive chain, um, which Zcash is a privacy cryptocurrency, uh, a privacy focused cryptocurrency and uh, <laughs> altcoin. The word you're looking for is shitcoin, Marty. Yes, shitcoin. Um, and so that there, so there's a drive chain on Reg, a Regnet, Regnet or Regtest. What is it? Regtest. Reg so test. the 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 trade off with Zcash is uh is a trust-based trade-off in terms of their trusted uh, setup but also not only that not only do they have the trusted setup the 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 way the way the trade-off works is they have a private private transactions and non-private transactions in the private transactions there's no way on a transaction level to enforce uh fixed supply um so there could be unbounded supply creation like someone a malicious actor could just be creating private zcash the, the rest of the network is protected because it's only the people that are in the private pool are at risk. Um, but that's like a pretty big trade-off to make. That happens to be the same trade-off that uh, drive chains make. Um, so it actually works pretty well in this situation because then you don't have the shit coin. So you don't have the exposure to, to actual the Zek token, which just keeps going down. It really embodies the trending to zero concept um, perfectly as, yeah. as a token. Um, so you don't have that exposure, um, but you still, but the other trade-offs that might be, you know, a negative to someone, usually if you're talking about trying to use Bitcoin more privately, um, were already present if you were using Zcash. So it's kind of elegant in that way, but also at the same time, this is a demo, but it still needs um, BIP 300, which is, you know, still under development and not merged in any way. And it's kind of, it's a little bit mental masturbation-y, you know? It's like, uh, it, it, it's, 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 would be awesome. It would be awesome to see it as an option for Bitcoiners, but like, don't hold, don't, don't, don't give me the, oh, I'm not going to look into Bitcoin, you know, privacy landscape right now or privacy tools right now. Cause I'm waiting for, I'm, I'm waiting for this, you know, Zcash based sidechain to, to exist. Yeah.
progress. It's progress, though. Progress. Yeah. It was, I was sh- pleasantly surprised when I saw um, this this demo on on testnet. It was more fleshed out than I expected. Right. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to Paul for that. Appreciate you. Yeah. Shout out to Paul. If you freaks have not read Paul's blog, it is one of my favorite resources, especially uh, trying to define the value of proof of work, uh, why proof of stake uh, is just as expensive a proof of work and not as secure. Go to truthcoin.com. I believe it's a .com. Let me ch- double check right here. Um, but check out it his might blog. might be .info. It is .info. You're correct. Um, that was back, back when the OGs thought .info was like a good suffix. Yeah. So truthcoin.info. Um, go check out the blog there. It's, it's incredible content to learn about the nature of proof of work systems, proof of stake, and a bunch of other topics pertaining to Bitcoin. Again, shout out to Paul. Very, very uh, pleasantly surprised to see see this launch on, on RegTest. I think people are, are they overthink that there's there's like a mix of lack of practical tools and overthinking some of these some of these problems. Like so so Whirlpool's zero link implementation is is a very elegant implementation. And and one of the elements to it that is really cool is it has this original transaction in the beginning, this transaction zero, when you prep for the transaction. There's a heuristic that anything in that TX zero is the same user, right? So so what happens is when you enter the mix, you are whatever goes into that TX zero could be the same user. So it's something that that a user has to keep in mind. It's one of the the few gotchas that they haven't been able to like iron out of, of that implementation yet um, on a user error kind of level. They're planning on releasing multi-party UTX, uh, <laughs> TX0. So that's part of this update is leading the way for that. Once they have multi-party TX zeros, that heuristic gets broken. Then they already have their post-mix tools, which they have the, the two main ones um, or the three main ones is a multi-party coin chain to a non-participant receiver. Then you have a multi-party coin join where the receiver is actively part of it. That's like a pay join. And then you have a fake one that just looks like a coin join, but it isn't. On top of that, they plan on adding coin swap as a post-mix tool too. So you combine that whole stack together and this is an open source stack. So if you don't you know, like how the samurai guys talk on Twitter or you don't like how they talk to people or you just don't like them in general, like you can fork it and have the same exact stack and the same exact implementation. Now, when you combine all those things together, really the only thing that's stopping Bitcoin from being pretty easy to use privately is you need a large amount of volume to use it. You At that point, you just need people to fucking use the thing, care about it and see the need and, and actually use it. Because, you know, if if you, if you only have 10,000 people using it, then you're one of 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need pie in the sky ideas. We just need slight improvements. slight improvements to the existing things that are there. And then we need education and usage and motivation. Yeah. That's the most, and then I'm not even, I haven't even talked about, you know, using lightning as well. Like lightning as a post-mix tool is a, could be fantastically useful. Yeah. I mean, especially if we ever activate taproot. And get but that's snore. what I'm saying. But even without, right? Yeah. But Taproot would make it so much better. But even without, we don't have any, there's not a single coin join lightning wallet that exists, 
right? These are like little things. And like, I, I respect the fuck out of, out of people doing any kind of work in the space. Right. But a lot of times I feel like a lot of the focus gets focused on things that like, Oh, or four years out or five years out in like best case scenarios. Um, when there's like a lot of like low hanging fruit. Yeah. That we can just knock out. Yeah. Hey, any wallet builders listening to this take heed, not take heed, but maybe take some advice maybe maybe focus this and speaking of that um that's why i was a little distracted christopher allen from blockchain commons just dm me um sharing their their gordian wallet architecture um trying in this project the blockchain commons project is trying to create um uh, basically ways to make different bitcoin wallets interoperable by them using uh, a standard so that they're compatible with each other so I just retweeted that. Go check that out. Um, and they just got funding from HRF. They did. I need to get Christopher. Christopher, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I've been slacking. Along uh, with Janine and the lead dev of uh, Moon Wallet. Yeah. Janine getting 10K. Congrats, girl. Punk for you. Um, Well-deserved all around. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to dive deeper into this blockchain common stuff. Uh, I need to get Chris on the on the show at some point. Chris, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I've been slacking in that regard you're probably not listening you're working i think our our boy fontaine's been working with him too yeah yeah looking at now like um sparrow wallet uh blue wallet uh fully noted uh foundation wolf mcnally i'm not sure what that is or bitmark um seem to be working on on air gapped wallet standard um our boy, our boy, Arthur Hayes. What a fucking boss. Sending a letter to the New York Department of Financial Services or New York Attorney General, I forget exactly which one, telling them that he's not going to show up in person in court, but they can meet him in Hawaii uh, to, to do a little uh, negotiating or whatever need be. And then from there, he's going to stay in Singapore uh, and, and just do Zoom calls for, for the court. Uh, and it, yeah, so these it, are, it wasn't even a letter, right? It was, it was, his lawyer was in New York talking to the judge and it was a transcript. Yeah. It was, it was a transcript of, of the, uh, negotiation for surrender. It was Ben Dello's trial or De- Ben Dello's proceeding his, his co-founder, um, who was in America and got arrested. And then they were talking ben, about Arthur Ben Reed or Reed. Oh, Ben, Ben Dello. No, no, it's his last name's Reed. Thomas Reed. I think his name might be. Now we're going to have to look this up. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking right now. But anyway, uh, it, it, it felt very sovereign individual, you know, like this guy's like in Singapore. Um, they're not able to seize his funds. And he's like negotiating on his terms when he is considering to come in and how he's going to do it. Um, it's very interesting to me. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Again, like what did they do? They never interacted with USD. What did they do wrong? It's interesting how they're like trying to like completely turn into like a regulated product. They're like an offer like custodial services and they, they brought, they, they, they went full KYC. I you're still, right with Ben. You're right with Ben Doe. I think I Reed bet. is another co-founder, but he's the other one. Yeah. Samuel Reed is his name. There you go. And um, yeah, no, so it was, know. it was Samuel Reed's case. Oh, not Ben Della's case. Not Ben Della, but he was brought up as well. Um, so yeah, I mean the three of them are obviously intertwined. Uh, the 
that Vanity Fair article is really good. So you should go and read the Vanity Fair article about Arthur. But uh, I, I think not enough credit has been given to them uh, that when all this went down and you know one co-founder got arrested and I guess the other one they arrested shortly after, uh, they like process like a shit ton of withdrawals and they just like withdraw like everyone's money who wanted to get out. They just like withdrew everyone's money. And then they were like, okay, now we'll get regulatory compliance. Like they gave everyone that like one last exit, that one last hurrah. And I think that goes underappreciated. Like when one broker went down and a lot of these other services go down, they immediately go to save their ass. Um, they go into save my ass mode or whatever. And they just like shotgun KYC everyone. And they make sure not to do like any kind of dicey move. And like, that was like the last fuck you a BitMEX was like, and, and if people remember their withdrawals automatically go out at like 9am at the time, they just fucking did it. Remember it wasn't. Yeah. Everyone was like, we're going to have to wait till the next day. And then all of a sudden withdrawals just started processing. Yeah. Boss move. Again, it's such a shame. BitMEX like provides a product to the market that the market obviously wants. There's extreme demand for it. It's a very well put together product. Doesn't touch US dollars. So arguably shouldn't have any, any, uh, shouldn't fall under the purview of the Bank Secrecy Act. Like the, the Again, if people, it's a free, it should be a free market. Like, look, look at how far away we've gotten from freedom freaks. Like, these people provided a product to the market. It's just an options product. Hey, you want to lever up and trade Bitcoin? You can do so on BitMEX. That's all it was. If people want to take that risk, most of them are going to lose their sats. But hey, they're free, they're free, able bodied men and women who can take that risk, or at least they should be. And the fact that you have Samuel Reed, Ben Dello, and Arthur Hayes as Ben Dello and Arthur as fugitives, Samuel Reed in custody, it's disgusting. Do we live in a free society? Wait, is Ben a fugitive still? He's in London, right? He is planning, or at least counsel has represented that he's planning to appear in New York. So I guess he hasn't appeared in court yet. Ben Dello took the giving pledge or whatever, the billionaire's pledge that he was going to give up up to half of his wealth by the end of, by the time he died. Yeah. Coming after, coming after black founders in the Bitcoin space, very racist by, by the New York Department of Finance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we haven't hit the then they fight us phase yet, freaks. Like people don't realize, like it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And get ready to fight. Stand up. Again, if we all it's it's that meme of of the dude at the podium standing on a plank and the uh, the group is standing on the oh, other yeah. side of the plank like if you walk away the the regulators are behind the podium telling us hey you can't be free you can't build these businesses you can't use bitcoin in this way and we're all standing on the other side of the plank and if we just walk away and say hey fuck you enjoy your trip down into the cavern uh it could work the power of the people stand up speak up be brave be bold. This isn't bad. Bitcoin's a beautiful thing. They want to crush innovation of one of the most, they want to crush the ability to innovate with the arguably the most important technology that has ever been brought to market in human history. That's like these few, very few assholes. And that's the other thing. It's very few assholes globally out of 8 billion people. It's probably less than like this may be even be high, 20,000 individuals that, that make the, the rules for the, the 8 billion uh, individuals living on the planet. Just walk away from them. There are more of us than there are of them. And they're 
literally curbing freedom in the digital age. Fuck them. <sighs> Getting all jacked up. And it's a coffee podcast. I'm not even drunk. Read more at nokyconly.com and bitcoinprivacy.guide. Yes. All right, to cool off a little bit, I'll transition into the software updates section. Matt, when I get to Whirlpool, you take over uh, and explain what's going on there, uh, which is three updates in Umbrella version 0.3.6 has been released. If you're running Umbrella, you may want to upgrade to that. Blue Wallet version 6.0.6 has been released. Um, definitely check that out as well. Um, I'm checking their, their fixed bugs because I, I noticed one the other week. On what, Umbral? No, Blue Wallet. What bug did you notice, Marty? It was like changing the amount. Um, the dollar amount or the Bitcoin amount? The dollar, both. Um, the dollar amount could just be a price API fuck up. Yeah. Samurai doesn't even have dollars in their wallet. Boss. Yeah, and no, I'm not seeing that, but Blue Wallet's been know- updated. Last cycle, what happened was like they kept hitting customer support things. Like I put $10 in my wallet and now it's worth $8. <laughs> Where'd my $2 go? And they were just like, fuck you. If you're just going to just make that sustain and they just remove the, the dollar denomination. Well, perfect transition while we're on Samurai Wallet. What's going on with this new Whirlpool update? So, I mean, I have been kind of out of it. So I'm not like fully in tuned here, but I, my understanding is like just major performance improvement. Um, it seems like they've just from the change log that they've removed the mixed target selection, which I think is a good idea. Uh, and they're just doing it themselves. Um, and yeah, I, I think the, the big thing is I've noticed with the updates is just massive, massive performance updates, performance improvements every time. Hell yeah. So it's good to see. I really want to see, I see one thing in the change log here that goes that you can do now multiple UTXOs. If I have like a bunch of transactions, I can put them into a single um, transaction right. zero. Um, but what I the real the real coup de gras is going to be when we can do that with multiple. So they have this. They added this thing, Sarban, right, which is like this Tor layer where you can communicate with each other. So right now, I can send you a pay join. Um, they call it stowaway. By just you opening up your Samurai wallet, I open up my Samurai wallet, I put in your pay name, like basically your username, and then it'll just automatically connect and encrypted via Tor, we exchange all the different information and we do a, we do a full pay join peer-to-peer. Um, the ideal, ideally, what would be really cool is like me, you, and like one of the freaks, like all decide like we're going to go into Whirlpool and we have a bunch of we have a bunch of change, right, that is lo- lower than the threshold that we otherwise we couldn't mix, right? And we just take all of our change outputs and like the three of us or like five of us or whatever, all go into Whirlpool at the same time. And just the act of going in in the first place is like a non-equal amount uh, round, right? Because it's like, we all go in and this collaborative transaction, you, you don't know for sure, you know, what's happening, which who's or who's, you just know that all those transactions belong to the full cumulative set of participants. And then you go into a proper coin join round after that. That's like, it's just a ma- that's a massive improvement in terms of the amounts that you can come in at. Um, so I'm really that's the big update I've been excited for the most, and, and we're not quite there yet. Well, shout out to the Samurai team, 
putting your heads down, the shipping code, proving the product, improving privacy for for individual users. Uh, I guess good good PSA like Bit Forty Seven. Let's let's push for it. Oh, uh, I have it lower in the list, but might as well say it now. Uh, Bitcoin Q and A put a PayNims guide up, which is that Bit Forty Seven payment codes. Um, and I think it's at usepaynims.com. I'm seeing um, Bitcoiner, bitcoiner.guide slash paynim. Yeah, that's that's the main link. Yeah. There you go. Um, we'll have that link in the show notes, obviously. Eclair version 0.5.1 has been released. If you're running the async wallet in Eclair, think about updating. Lightning terminal version 0.4.1 has been released by the Lightning Labs team. Uh, I think this is some performance updates as well um, and UI fixes. BTC Pay Server has been added to Voltage. Voltage, really great service run by Graham Kresik and Drew Valak. We had Graham on the podcast uh, a few months ago, I believe in November. Would highly recommend checking that out. I really like their service, uh, allowing you to spin up Lightning Network nodes in uh, the cloud on servers, but the way they, they encrypt everything uh, on those servers, they have no idea what's going on uh, in your node. Uh, There's still you know, trust. But... Yeah, there is trust, obviously. Um, Amazon could say, hey, Voltage, we're kicking you off. They can, man, is... they can man in the middle of the process if they wanted to, potentially. I, I think it's, it's, mostly, it's mostly a regulatory... Um, it's just best practice. It's best practice to have it encrypted with local keys, uh, and which is what they do. Um, so if everything goes the way that they say, that they should never have access to the keys, they should never be able to see anything. But that also allows them, that's the difference between this being self-custody, even though you're running on their servers versus being a custodial product in the eyes of regulators. So it's important for both those reasons. Yeah, I mean, and the news coming out of Voltage uh, is that they added BTC Pay Server support so now if you spin up a, a voltage node you, you'll easily be able to to spin up a btc pay server as well very highly requested uh uh what's the word i'm looking for feature there we go it's an easy turnkey way of just having a btc pay server yeah big fan of the uh the team at voltage and graham if you're listening <laughs> graham is actually trying to help me set up a separate rss feed for sphinx tribe members so that will be an ad free version i have been slacking on that freaks stay on top of me we're going to set up a separate rss feed where i put a different audio file in and point that at sphinx specifically um so that you guys don't have to listen to ad on sphinx because you're, you're already contributing in the value for value model there um, we're working on it graham's trying to help me um Hopefully, I have time to to fix that problem within the Make next. Make it happen, weeks. Marty. Make it happen. I've been extremely busy, freaks. Extremely busy. If you haven't, if you haven't noticed, the bent's been coming out pretty late. Um, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. No excuses. No excuses, Marty. You bitch. Um, Citibank, <laughs> very bullish report. 120 page report. Is that what I wrote? Just very bullish report. You wrote. Uh, oh. What did you write? <laughs> I thought that was Citibank bullish now. report. I added very sure. bullish, under eight pages. What they call it, Bitcoin at a turning point. Typically. At a turning point, yeah. I mean, I think they actually just read the bent and took my 2020 was a Bitcoin cultural tipping point and just <laughs> turn it to turning point. I'll take it. You know, if I'm infecting the minds of Citibank analysts, I'll I'll take it. 
Um, I, I agree. It is a cultural tipping point. Uh, just talking about like the ways it's been, it's an extremely long report. I'm just blowing through it right now. I think um, all these banks just realize that their, their valuations are trending to zero when pricing Bitcoin and they're just finally capitulating. I mean, we, Goldman also relaunched their Bitcoin trading desk uh, this week. The Goldman man buns are back. It really, it does feel like, uh, I mean, I, I think for people that weren't here last cycle, they might not realize, but uh, I mean, all these banks were saying blockchain bullshit last time. Yeah. And now they're saying, you know, accumulate Bitcoin, put it on your balance sheet, which is yeah. a, a wholly different uh, kind of excitement. And I mean, I guess it is really timely from what we said, you know, what we've been talking about on this podcast fucking for a while is that just because these guys buy in, um, you know, that doesn't mean that we're going to have better regulation for, for the freak that's using CoinJoin in their own node and, and being self-sovereign. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but it's extremely Mexico. bullish for the price of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got to run your own full node, use your own full node. These banks are coming. Uh, they're pretty cozy with regulators. They like regulators because it allows them to create what is known in the business as a regulatory moat where they are able to stave off upstart competitors because of the compliance costs to, to comply with regulations. So these institutions are coming in. The Bitcoin network is an open network. Anybody who wants to access the Bitcoin network can do so, including large institutions. They're doing it. They're going to continue to do it as individual Bitcoiners, as average Joes, as common men. We have to ensure the integrity of the network remains intact. And the best way to do that is to use and leverage the native properties of the network, which means you should run your own full node and use your own full node to uh, confirm the transactions that you're receiving and sending for yourself to verify yourself and not trust anybody. These institutions are likely to attempt to bring the regulatory modes to the Bitcoin network. And you know what? We're not going to let them. So. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they love regulation. And, 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 and now even the Bitcoin companies, the big Bitcoin companies, like the regulatory modes help them too. Um, you're going to see Coinbase continue to push for stuff that um, allows them to operate in markets where their smaller upstart competitors can't um kraken's also looking to go public they're both looking to go public they're going to have like massive public offerings um so turd turdemeister mentioned on twitter and i think he's absolutely right that kraken probably has this massive bitcoin treasury because you know i mean uh i've never loved their position on shit coins uh but uh jesse always seemed like someone who was who is very uh bitcoin orange pilled and i'd be very surprised if kraken didn't have a large amount of bitcoin on their balance sheet probably significantly more than coinbase so that could be a second blockbuster ipo that happens um and both those guys they're gonna they're gonna push for regulations that protect them uh or they're not gonna they're gonna stand by while they happen at least um so it's just something to be aware of and, and people need to just push back and and take individual action um to, to try and you know to protect our rights as as sovereign bitcoin individuals be aware freaks be vigilant but on a more on a more cheeky note i just want to say that that citibank report was basically 108 pages 
um, of them explaining how they're short Bitcoin and they just realized. <laughs> uh, everybody's short. Sat squeeze is underway. Are you prepared? That's the question you have to ask yourself every night before you fall asleep. Am I prepared for the sat squeeze? No one's prepared. No one's ready. No. Did you stack today? Always. <laughs> Don't forget to ask your normie group chats that every morning. Moving on. We already mentioned it, but uh, just to give it proper line in the uh, in the list here, the Human Rights Foundation has given out $70,000 worth of grants um, to, to privacy-focused developers and individuals covering privacy in the Bitcoin world. We mentioned Janine, uh, Blockchain Commons, uh, uh, Jesse Posner, who's working on adapter signatures and discrete log contracts, got a grant as well. Uh, I think that's about it. Did you say the Moon Wallet? Moon Wallet, yes, the Moon Wallet. Um, moon Wallet um, is really intriguing to me. We haven't really talked about it on the pod because I haven't had a chance to play around with it, but the interface is, have you, have, is this on your radar at all? It's it is not, it's honestly, single... it has not been on my radar. Oh, and it's Moon, M-U-U-N uh, yeah, for anybody it's, it's, out there. We've talked about it on the pod before that. You, sh you shouldn't have a name where you need to spell it out, but uh, the this is Argentinian-based startup, and it's really cool because it's open source, which is important. Um, it's apparently self-custody. I'm not sure how it works on the Lightning side because you know, they're, they're doing something in terms of, of the way they're handling inbound capacity. But uh, so there is some kind of trusted element there, something like Phoenix or Breeze, but self-custody. And it's a single balance. So if, if you receive Lightning or you receive on-chain, it just shows as a unified balance. And when you send it, the wallet's automatically making a decision. So the user doesn't know if they're sending on-chain or Lightning. That's boss. Yeah, it could be. In theory, it seems awesome, right? But I, I, don't, I haven't dove into the specifics or used it enough to really talk about it concretely, but I love it as a concept. Like, that's what we want to see, really. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, shout out to Human Rights Foundation for giving out these grants and to all these builders building these privacy tech and, and keeping us up to date on what's going on. Staying on the grant tip. Bull Bitcoin and Wasabi uh, have teamed up to give a $40,000 grant to Luke Jr., Bitcoin Core contributor, longtime Bitcoin Core contributor. Uh, he's been very, very important in Bitcoin's history. Uh, he helped with the uh, pay, um, was it pay to script hash or pay to pub key hash? Pay to script hash. P2, P2SH. He helped with the P2SH. What, oh, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. He he figured out how to soft fork SegWit into uh, the code. He's um, in the middle of the conversations around Taproot activation right now. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Look, he's a prolific developer. He's an OG Bitcoin developer uh, that's done a lot of good for Bitcoin. I don't agree with all of his views. Neither do um, I. But... His, his most notable contribution in recent years um, at least post SegWit, he, he was a big part of the whole SegWit uh, debate um, and execution uh, is, is Bitcoin Knots, which is his own implementation, his own fork of Bitcoin Core. Um, and the two main things that it does differently is 
that I'm aware of at least, and this is why Wasabi was using them, is it was serving up neutrino filters publicly before Bitcoin Core merged. I think Bitcoin Core has, re has since merged it. Um, and it also has like his, his blacklist is implemented about, you know, things like, I think he, he, he doesn't, he, he blacklists transactions to gambling websites. Really? Yeah. That's like famously in Bitcoin knots, but, and that goes with Christian values, but, uh, I, uh, yeah. Cheers to Luke. He deserves it. It's good that he has a funding. I actually fund him as well on GitHub. So the more the merrier. Bitcoin. I do not fund. I do not give him forty thousand dollars. <laughs> BitcoinDevlist.com. Uh, Check it out. Yeah, but if you want to contribute to him and others, go to BitcoinDevlist.com, as Marty said. Yeah. Uh, good news keeps rolling. People getting funded. Uh, in this case, it's our it's our longest sponsor, longest running sponsor, Unchained Capital. Uh, raise a seed round led by uh, NY Dig. And to make sure I got that correct, didn't want to trigger Matt. NY Dig uh, took a minority right. stake in Unchained Capital. Um, and and the, the $5.5 million also comes with um, a big chunk for the credit fund that allowed them to give out more loans, I believe, as well, too. Um, this is a good partnership. And this is actually good to see NY Dig getting, getting, um, ingrained with Unchained Capital, because as you guys know, disclaimer, sponsor of the pod, Bit Unchained Capital likes to leverage Bitcoin's native properties, particularly multi-sig um, to, to provide financial services to users and uh, multi-sig uh, custody uh, <laughs> gives users the, the ability to have full control over their sats if they want to. Collaborative, um, custody. collaborative custody with Unchained. Uh, is sort of a bridge between full custody and um, and uh, well, collaborative custody. You don't trust them with custody at all. You have no. you have the threshold of keys. Yes, but they can still hold your hand. They're there for you. They can they can provide. It, it works. It should work really well for high net worth individuals and large companies that are trying to get allocations because um, it's it's just strictly better than a custodial partner. Yes, and you get a lot of the same benefits that people like that those types of people like from a custodial partner, right? Without actually giving up custody. Yes. And the, the point I was trying to make with that, uh, that fumble <laughs> was, and it's good to see NY dig getting, uh, giving money to unchain and investing and getting a stake in that company um, in a, a validation of collaborative custody and the native properties that Bitcoin enables. And um, again, a New York company, really pushing the innovation of, of custody towards the users is good to see. Yeah. I mean, so, well, first of all, not only are they are sponsored, but basically it's just a company filled with our buddies uh, over at Unchained. So I'm very excited for them. Um, I had Parker on the Bitcoin magazine live stream last week for the anniversary of Mt. Gox. And I had a whole line of questioning where I was like pressuring him, like, like, why are the billionaires not using collaborative custody? Why aren't the corporations using collaborative custody and stuff? And meanwhile, he was doing this NY Dig deal and he couldn't talk about it, you know, obviously. Um, and NY Dig, you know, that's Ross Stevens, you know, leads NY Dig. And that, that's, that's who everyone saw in the MicroStrategy conf conference and, and got really excited about. They're very focused on that segment of the market, on onboarding billionaires, onboarding high net worth individuals, onboarding you know, regulated corporations that are looking for a path. Um, so for them to be leading this round with Unchained is very bullish in regards to, to those types of people actually holding their own keys and having some sovereignty. 
Now, Unchained also has a separate product. So that's their vault product, which competes with custodial solutions. And also they have a they have an element there now. They have this white glove service, which you might have heard Marty say in the ad read, where they can just bring you straight into the vault. Um, but then they also have a whole separate product, which is this collateralized lending, this idea that you use your Bitcoin um, and you take a, a, a fiat loan off of your Bitcoin, like instead of like a home equity line of credit where you're taking it out of uh, your collateral is your, your home. In this case, your collateral is your Bitcoin. And in that case, there's a big users should be always concerned about rehypothecation and whether where their funds are and, and third party custody risk and unchanged should be the model for that uh, in terms of they do it in a way where they only they hold one key, you hold one key, and then they have a third party company partner company that holds that holds the third key. So you always see your funds, your collateral on chain, you know, it's not getting rehypothecated. And if those companies want to fuck you, they have to fuck you together. It, it would take two companies to fuck you instead of one. Um, so it's That's really like the, it's, it's the gold tier of, of that type of, of, of that type of product, right? Yes. If, if you want access to the, if you want access to the, to the proper, you know, fiat banking world. No, and, they, and this is why we have Unchained as a sponsor and have, for years, we love their product. And, and, and to another point about their loan product, a recent, I think we talked about last week or the week before, but it doesn't hurt to rehash it. They've uh, increased the amount of collateral that, that needed to take out loans because they don't want to have to liquidate users, which like, hey, you may think like, ah, I don't want to over collateralize this this much, but it's all in an attempt to, to make sure that you keep your Bitcoin at the end of the day. Right, the, the major negative of these products um, is, is, is it's, it's, you're basically, you're, you're, you're leveraging up on your Bitcoin. So if there's price volatility and the price volatility goes down, uh, significantly, you could end up losing all of your Bitcoin. Uh, so, so really, I think unless, unless you're an advanced user, you should not be, you know, fucking around with these products. Um, but it's good that people have the option. I also wanted to add, and it's great that Unchained is trying to prioritize reducing those liquidations because no one wants to see those liquidations. And, and you can end up in a situation where you have like a big collapse in price and it ends up in cascading liquidations and the price keeps going down and more people get fucked. Um, Humble stackers are unaffected in that situation, but you hate to see people lose their hard-earned Bitcoin. One thing I'd like to add here is going back to the bottle pay thing, because literally the only thing on my mind, um, and Bitstamp thing. We have a lot of companies in the space that have not, you know, flagged coin join users. Um, and big, big shout out to all of them. There's only a single regulated company that is, I'm pretty sure that has ever had a public statement that says they do not use chain surveillance and they do not flag coin join usage. And that is unchained capital. They're on the record saying that publicly. And I understand why a lot of companies that maybe are pro coin join and aren't flagging it, aren't talking about it because they don't want to get on the bad sides of regulators, but there needs to be a very big shout out um, to the team over there for publicly standing behind um, private Bitcoin usage. And it's Joe Kelly too. Joe, the CEO, the front man came out and responded. Somebody was interacting with the Unchained Capital. the second time. Yeah. Somebody was interacting with the Unchained Capital Twitter account and Joe personally put his neck on the line and said, hey, we don't do that. We don't think we have to. It doesn't make any sense. And yeah, again, we're very proud to have them as sponsors of the team. Joe, Drew, Parker, Will, uh, Phil, 
fuck. Like they're they're just Thank crushing it over there. Um, so hey, keep on keeping on our friends in Texas. Uh, we're proud again to have you guys here, and, and we're very excited that you've got this funding and and we'll continue to bring incredible products to Bitcoiners. Keep it up. Five and a half million is no joke, boys. Looking forward to drinks on you next time I see you guys. <laughs> I think they already give us enough. <laughs> uh, it's a really cool project. Hand up to anybody who was a part of this project. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I've been extremely busy. Uh, I, I got offered a line in this, but just like literally couldn't record the video to get it there. Um, I'm in the, it, Marty. The Bitcoin voice paper. Um, Dim Zeon uh, was leading this initiative. Uh, so if you go to dimzeon.com slash voicepaper.html, D-I-M-Z-A-Y-A-N.com. It's just a bunch of Bitcoiners reading the Bitcoin white paper. Very powerful uh, video. Uh, it really helps drive home the individual nature of Bitcoin um, and, and why we do this. Yeah, it was a great art project. It's open source and it's available to all. And there's no NFT involved. <laughs> and it was just a big fuck you to Craig. And uh, yeah. it's cool to see the community come together like that. I actually got, uh, I got seduced by Daniel Prince. So shout out to him of the Once Bidden podcast. Yeah, Daniel seduced me into it. And I flaked. I'm sorry for flaking everybody involved. It doesn't count as a seduction if, if you didn't close. That's, that's true. But he you successfully seduced me, needless to say. <laughs> uh, very, in, uh, very good thing to see again. Like people, we've been talking about regulation and stuff like that. And the, the context of a regulation talk up to this point in the episode has been at the federal level. One thing I'm looking for uh, specifically and paying attention to as a trend is regulation at the state level, trying to court Bitcoins and fight against the federal regulations. And this isn't, uh, this isn't a shot across the bow of federal regulations, but what we're starting to see, at least in the mining industry, it's something I've been paying attention to just due to the nature of what I do at Great American Mining, uh, is you're seeing states, particularly small states, trying to court Bitcoin miners with tax incentives, and the latest of which to do that is Kentucky. Um, so they, they advance a data center incentives bill that will give um, operators uh, tax credits or um, give them, I believe, is it credits or just tax breaks? It's just sales tax. They don't have to pay sales tax on yeah. uh, the electricity the big, they buy. Yeah. Yeah, so they're incentivizing Bitcoiners coming to Kentucky by low-cost energy. They're not going to get sales tax. Helps them, again, drive their, their energy generation costs lower and brings business to, to the state of Kentucky, a small state looking for an economic boost. Uh, so it's incredible to see that. Uh, I will say there is a similar bill on the floor of North Dakota, their legislator. They're, they're doing a similar bill to give tax breaks to. It's not, I don't, I don't believe it's on sales tax, but it's, on producers using flared gas um, to, yep. to for data center use. Right, this is things. data center too. They always say data center. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's only Bitcoin mining. It's it's another <laughs> kind of it's another way to say Bitcoin mining. It's like um, Amazon or Bitcoin mining. Yeah, so there's there's a bill <laughs> on the the North Dakota floor. Whether or not that will be passed, I, I I don't know, but it is encouraging. It'll all get to passed see. eventually. Yeah, it's encouraging to see that, and then Wyoming, I think too is mulling around some some similar ideas. So you're seeing it at the state level, um, these local governments trying to court Bitcoiners, which I think, I think we're gonna see, like we saw, 
Yeah, and Suarez in Miami, even more. He's just going ham. He's just like, fuck your bills. I'm just going to do all the things at once. Yeah, well, and even DeSantis at the governor level in Florida. So that's like another interesting trend I want to start paying attention more attention to is like states pushing back against the federal government. I believe we saw something in Missouri around Second Amendment, like local uh, Second Amendment law, like if federal agents ever come and try to take people's guns in certain counties in Missouri, like the 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 sheriff's departments in in those counties has the right to arrest the federal agents. So you're seeing this like state versus federal government battle, war, conflict, whatever you want to call it, um, begin to really hit the head. And like, and again, the federal government is antagonizing some of these states. Wyoming, uh, their economy is driven by the oil markets predominantly. I believe 80% of the revenue of Wyoming's economy is driven by oil and gas. And you have Biden coming in and shutting down uh, new drilling on, on federal lands, which makes up a big part of Wyoming. So uh, the federal government is antagonizing states and it'll be interesting to see if they fight back and use Bitcoin as a way to do so. I mean, I saw, I think it's bigger than Bitcoin. I mean, I saw a tweet from our, our buddy, Michael Krieger, um, who's basically just a Bitcoin account now at this point, uh, bro. Um, but uh, he, uh, like, he's fully engrossed in Bitcoin Twitter. He's one of us 100% now. He always was, but now he, he really is. Uh, but, but he mentioned that, like, he's seeing these trends of increased like regionalization or localism, right? Like in America. And it's, I think it's a theme that we're going to see really play out in 2021 big time. And not just, um, not just Bitcoin related. Bitcoin is, is one of the tools and one of the aspects that is going to be there that people are going to compete over. I think another one is, is going to be water rights and water access. Um, guns is going to be a big one, but like, even if you look like right now, like Texas, they decided they're like moving the mass mandate. We're fully open. Fuck you. We're just fucking doing it. Right. And that's going to create this whole, uh, it just feels like we saw it happening in 2020 and it's just the culmination of it. It's, it's just, it's only going to amplify from here. It's hard to see the cat go back in the back. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually all for it. Like it's what give power back to the States. That's what this country was founded on. Federal government was never supposed to exist. I think the closer government is to the people, the less corrupt it is, the exactly. more efficient it is. Right now, because it's like an information flow thing like how can you have a centralized government in dc making decisions for wyoming for texas for florida like the information like 350 is, million people like yeah. have different priorities yeah and they're so far away from the sources of pure information that they couldn't make accurate decisions and uh, nor, nor should that like nor nor could they even right, right? like like the, the the two people the two sets of people live in completely different worlds they have yeah. completely different needs yeah so Hopefully this trend continues. Uh, it actually makes me extremely bullish too on Bitcoin. For Bitcoin or for humanity? Both, both. If, Agreed. If I'm bullish on Bitcoin, I'm bullish on humanity. So there you go. We already That's talked about Paynims 101 again. Bitcoiner guide slash Paynim uh, for a guide there. This month in Bitcoin privacy, we mentioned Jinyane got a um, a grant from the HRF. Uh, her issue for February is out. It's an 11-minute read, eight topics on privacy. Uh, we're going to link to that in the show notes. Uh, this was interesting. I saw this come out on the No Bullshit Bitcoin feed yesterday. DEA report mentions Bitcoin and virtual currency by name. Did you look at the report? Um, I just read the little blurb they have so on linked, the Telegram. Yeah, so I linked to No BS because they have the actual PDF up there. 
Um, and I did want to link to a DEA website. I feel like that was in poor taste. Yeah. Uh, so drug traffickers and money launderers are increasingly incorporating virtual currency into trade-based money laundering, TBL, TBML activity as the use of these currencies become more widely adopted. DEA reporting has revealed instances in which bulk currency contracts were fulfilled to the use of virtual currency instead of cash with this money subsequently being integrated into the TBML cycle. <laughs> they love their acronyms. I mean, Bitcoin was mentioned like seven or eight times by name, and there was a whole section called virtual currency um, and like future finance or something. Like this is just, I think it's important because it's a narrative that's gonna, we're gonna see play out more, right? I, I think the first rule of thumb is you do is you, um, as you say, the tools are being used by criminals, right? That's what we're seeing with CoinJoin. That's what we're seeing with encryption. Um, and that's, that's what we historically we've seen with Bitcoin. And then we like, we're in this like little honeymoon phase. We're like, I don't know if you remember, like every article about Bitcoin was like the currency that most famously is used for Silk Road and the drugs and all this criminals activity was always like the first paragraph of every mainstream media article about Bitcoin. And for the last couple of years, we finally shed that. It's about to come back. I think, I think like we're about to have to hit the new narrative again. Yeah. Um, and we're going to have that phase for a little bit. And to equip you freaks with a rebuttal to that narrative is like Bitcoin is for enemies. Yes, these, these people will use Bitcoin because they can, because it's an open network. It's the nature of the protocol and the access to that protocol. But again, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Bitcoin's also providing value to individuals in Nigeria when the Nigerian government shut down the bank accounts of the NSARS protesters, the woman, women marching in that, that protest particularly, they turned to Bitcoin. Hong Kong, similar situation. Belarus, similar situation. Venezuela, uh, you have starving and sick people who can't depend on their local currency, needing to get Bitcoin sent to them from family members abroad so that they can buy medicine and food to survive. Bitcoin is helping these people. Like, yes, drug dealers are accepting Bitcoin as well. Like, it's just a, a fact that you want to throw uh, all the value that Bitcoin is providing a myriad of, of different types of people um, away just because some people uh, are, are selling drugs with it. And then you get into the whole conversation of like, who cares if people are selling drugs? Should it be, <laughs> shouldn't that be a free market as well? Um, Every single convicted felon in the United States has used the US dollar. Yeah. And maybe like 17 of them have used CoinJoin. <laughs> maybe, maybe you know, that like, might be high. Yeah, that's probably a high number. <laughs> conservative on the high side. It's like absolutely ridiculous. Um, I Marty put it really well, but I, I think a really uh, a good way of looking at it is is like if if you can block if if we can block a a dictator or a war criminal or some kind of you know global recognized criminal from using Bitcoin then a dictator can block a refugee that wants to use Bitcoin. And so in order to protect the overwhelming majority of law-abiding users um, and their freedom and their privacy, uh, you have to protect everyone. And that doesn't mean that criminals will run free. It just means you just have to do some good old-fashioned police work to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to good old-fashioned hard work? The, the law enforcement agents are getting very lazy. Getting very lazy. Try to push in the digital panopticon, freaks. Don't let them fight back. Stand up. Speak up. We're on the other side of the plank. Just walk away. <laughs> They'll fall into the cavern. Think about it. Mempool. 
our good friends at mempool.space have joined COPA. I forget what COPA stands for. It's a patent it's alliance. Like it's crypto open patent alliance. Yeah. We only call it COPA because we don't want to say the word crypto. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an initiative started by Square, Square Crypto. Um, I, think I think Square's one of, yeah, yeah, Square Crypto, I think, started it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Square started. Yeah. And so it's an alliance to um, fight back against patent trolls. It's good. It's a defensive group where they all share their patents and they agree not to be offensive with the patents. They only defend it. So Matt, I, I just got a text. One of my brother's friends. What do you think the text was? Um, what do you think about Cardano? close <laughs> keep keep going i'll give you one more guess what ripple to two dollars no should i buy an nft of oh my god that's i knew it i was just <laughs> in the wrong cycle i was in the wrong fucking cycle oh uh, it's the third one i've gotten from my bro for some reason my brother's friends are all texting me it's like not they even my friends it's shit. my brother's friends and every cycle yeah should i buy nft of Banksy. No, just focus on accumulating Bitcoin, bro. <sighs> you do not have enough. None of us have enough Bitcoin. Focus on it. Stop trying to fucking trade. You're going to lose more money. Most people will lose more money. Some of you might make bank. Like Kobe got, did you see what Kobe made on his bullshit NFT token? No. Kobe got like, I guess like the platform that NBA Top Shots or whatever has an underlying token to it. And he got like an early allocation for a hundred K it's worth $40 million right now. Holy shit. Yeah. So like some people, especially the insiders will do very well on these things. I'm not yeah. saying that's not the case. I'm just saying for the average person, you will probably end up with more Bitcoin in five years. If you just don't think about it and you just stack every day or stack weekly, just stack on the reg yeah. humbly without yeah. leverage. And like insider. Yeah, like that's typical ICO pre mine. Whatever, we're not going to get into it. Last but not least, Germany considering KYC for emails and texts. What the fuck? How is this even possible? What the hell How are you doing? Do in that's Germany? what people don't realize. Like, it's not a Bitcoin thing. Bitcoin just gives us is one of the few tools that allows us to opt out of the KYC bullshit. That's everywhere. It's like encryption and, and Bitcoin are like the two the two things on the surface that that opt us out of the KYC and like Tor. It's never a good sign when Germans are making list. Uh, so this is fucked up though. So they want all messaging services to collect ID information. So like already list. for phone numbers, like SIMs and stuff are like pretty KYC. They're like at least like KYC light. It's like hard to get one without doxing your information. Um, but emails are looser. Some of these emails now require you to use a phone number. So they like piggyback on to the KYC as a phone number, but emails are still a little bit better. And then the messaging services. So they want all these companies to keep detailed, private, personal, you know, intimate information, um, sensitive information on their users, which they're not going to be able to secure properly. And, and I'm, it's going to go hand in hand with also breaking their encryption. If, if they decide like, okay, well, Marty's using this account now give us the back door to his encryption. So they're going to have backdoor access and they're going to have intimate information on all their fucking users. And then they're going to pretend that it's for our own benefit, which is like the biggest slap in the face ever. Like at least, at least in these authoritarian governments, like no one, no one like pretends like it's for your own benefit. They're just like, Oh, the dictator is trying to oppress me like that makes sense but like in some of these western democracies they just fucking do the same thing and they're like you're welcome <laughs> uh freaks 
they're coming for us. They're trying to put us, they're trying to cattle herd us. They don't want you to be free. Speaking freely amongst ourselves is too dangerous. Don't think for yourself. You need the nanny state to come in and tell you what's acceptable and what's not. Don't think. Just give up all this information. Let it be held in uh, poorly secured databases. And just, just go along with what Big, Big Brother's telling you. All right? Slavery is freedom. War is peace. Fiat money is real money. It's all fucking bullshit. This was a rip, man. I think uh, we vibed well on this rip. I miss you, bro. I miss you, too. When are we going to see... Are we going to have to wait till Miami to see each other in person? I don't think so. Hopefully not. not. Yeah. Oh, that's a good reminder, though. Uh, they're, they're rug-pulling my promo code. What? Uh, so, so the promo code, like... It's just something that like I negotiated with them and I make no, I get no ref from it or anything. And I was just like, give me the highest percentage you're willing to give uh, the people I show it to. And they gave me 21% and it's just been way too successful. So they're going <laughs> to, they're going to pull the code tomorrow. Um, they're either going to lower it or completely remove the amount that it gives you off. So if you're going to, if you're going to do it, uh, now's the time it's code humble, full caps, um, and it's b.tc slash conference. Dope domain. Get that. Use that promo code while it still lasts. They're going to rug pull it overnight. Yeah. Be aware, freaks. Don't get complacent. Like I tweeted out yesterday, too. Like I was like in the shower, literally had a shower thought. Like I was, I almost let the propaganda get to me, Matt. I almost let it get to me. It may seem the world may seem dire. Things may seem dire. All caps, the, Marty. If you let the propaganda get to you, freaks. There's never been a better opportunity to make the world a better place. Honestly, the technology let the caps our hands. flow through you, Marty. Let <laughs> the, the caps flow through you. Seriously, take advantage of this opportunity that we have while it lasts. Hopefully, we can make sure that it lasts for as long as possible. We have an incredible amount of powerful technology at our hands. We just need to get it into more hands, and we need to uh, we need to champion it publicly that's why we have this podcast that's why we tweet that's why i write the newsletter that's why matt does everything that he does on all these different platforms like we can win we can make the world a better place bullish very bullish is that it i mean i love you freaks i think two hours is a very strong rip i hope to see you again soon marty um i mean i kind of wanted to there was like two things that i wanted to talk about before we ended but I don't know if we've gone too long. I don't um, think the freaks are going to mind. What you do you, have, you don't about? have a hard cap, right? No, I got to write a bent. So Taproot just seems like a clusterfuck <laughs> that blew the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> so you, are you feeling a little less bullish than you were the other day about your job? Yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to be sending a million sets <laughs> at the end of the year. <laughs> it's amazing how quick that switches. Right. Um. It's just everyone's arguing over the activation now, uh, the activation methods. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch on the pod. Uh, I, I just, do you have any new comments about it? Besides, um, I've got nothing productive to add to this conversation. Um, if you, if you, if you freaks haven't listened to Citadel Dispatch, we had uh, James O'Byrne joined us. Uh, so uh, he is a Bitcoin core dev, former New York Bitcoiner. Um, and we had some good thoughts on Taproot at that point. So uh even though that was two days ago and it's gotten worse since then. So yeah, like I, um, I checked in on the mailing list the other day. I was like, holy shit, this, <laughs> this is, this is just getting uh, out of hand. 
Um, but I think it will get activated. And I just think it's, you know, this is a feature, not a bug freaks. Like uh, we don't want this stuff to just be able to get railroaded through. Uh, that's why Bitcoin is valuable uh, because in every other project, it can get railroaded through. Um, so don't be surprised uh, if it takes a little bit longer. That is fine. We're not, we're not in a rush in that respect. There's, there's, no. there's, we have, we have time in that respect and it'll get activated eventually or it won't. Yeah. But yeah. I think it will. Possibly couldn't be, but like if you guys want to activate it before December 31st, like I'm all for that. The important, it'd be fucking hilarious if it gets activated like January 3rd. <laughs> that would be. Uh, the way the world works, that's probably how it's going to go down. It's either going to be like January 3rd or December 27th. You know, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be tight. I like the thing that would, would completely call me off guard. If it's like a September 15th activation, you know, like if it's just some like rant, like very like, or like the opposite, like next September, like just like com completely wrong. <laughs> what if, what if our bet like has some influence on activate? Like, that's good. That's what we want to see. Okay. It's just like a quasi, it's a prediction market. It's like a little prediction market. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, well, actually you're not really helping the network. I help the network because I'm providing an incentive, incentive to activate early. I am. Right? Oh, no, yeah, because you're good. Well, no. You're providing an incentive to activate later. I'm providing you want to bet against to me. I, I imagine the freaks want to bet with me, though. I like I have the same bet with Peter McCormick. Peter McCormick's incentivized to try and get Taproot approved before January 1st because of my million sats bet. Or with him, it's not a million sats. It's a bottle of Glenn Farkless 25, which is good because that's trending to zero. <laughs> um, millions millions that is going to be is, is yeah. going the opposite direction yeah. um but it provides an incentive to get them to like a prediction market like uh i don't know it's, it's cool we should have a prediction market for it though instead of just podcast betting sure grits. atomic finance matthew um get on it Let's make that happen. Uh, and then, and we should definitely have one for like election season, next election season, I would hope. It's kind of lame. I mean, we have one for this one. one. So I imagine we, well, we didn't really, you know, it was like, it was really half-assed. Uh, it's not called half-assed. Okay. They got a minimum viable project. <laughs> yeah. Minimum viable product. Okay. I'll give, I'll give them that. The other topic I wanted to bring up was, uh, coin swaps fixing, uh, the bottle pay bitstamp issue. You think... um, there's like a whole argument in my mentions about CoinSwap. Yeah, David, um, I have them completely ignorant to the context. So we talked last week, we talked about the difference between CoinJoin and CoinSwap, right? And I had the analogy that with CoinJoin, you have, let's say you have five people with a gold coin each, and then we all melt our gold coins, and then we have, we pour five new gold coins, right? And then CoinSwap, is you exchange, you have a gold coin, I have a gold coin, and we just flip each other each other's gold coin, right? And then you do that a bunch of times in a row, right? But we're just trading gold coins. Now, obviously, gold coins don't have like a public ledger history for all of time, but Bitcoin does, right? So you're really trading the coin's history, right? So if you do coin swap, the cool thing about coin swap is you can't tell a coin swap happened. It looks like a regular transaction. But what that means is, especially in the beginning, when we're in an adoption phase of coin swap and no one's using it, let's say we have like 17 people using it. Um, I shouldn't use the same number. Let's say we have 25 people using it, uh, 50 people using it. Uh, the chain surveillance companies are going to assume coin swaps aren't happening. 
So they're just going to assume if you coin swapped with someone and that had a bad transaction history and you send it, then un unknowing to yourself, you're sending a coin with whatever history is considered high risk or fraudulent. You know, the big examples, let's say it's plus token, whatever, right? Um, now, the idea is when coin swap is used at scale, when let's say millions of people are using coin swap, 70% of Bitcoiners are using coin swap then chain analysis companies can't assume shit because every time there's a transaction, they don't know if a swap happened. They don't know if it's my history or if it's some schmuck's history from Nigeria or something, right? Is the threshold that high? I'm just, it has to be significantly high, higher than adoption phase, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. a, there's an early phase in the beginning where users are at high risk, right? Now, CoinJoin is, is, is the opposite. So CoinJoin is a, you don't really know what the, you, you can tell that a CoinJoin happened. It's immediately obvious on chain, right? And there's like this, there's this narrative that that is a bug, that it's too obvious, right? But encryption is extremely obvious. If, if, if some if external observer is watching your communications, they can tell you're do, using encryption. They just can't tell what's going on in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so there's an argument to be made that from a user perspective, the combination of CoinJoin and CoinSwap is the best of both worlds, especially in the adoption phase in the beginning, because you, you do the CoinJoin and you basically are smelting new coins, you're creating new coins um, with this, this shared history that's like a, a shared unknown history, but everyone knows CoinJoin happened. And then you're properly, you're completely breaking the trail on chain by doing coin swaps between two people who have already post-mixed. So as a post-mix tool, it's infinitely more power. It makes both used together. It's like one plus one is three. <laughs> like both of them have these, these different trade-offs, right? And both of them don't solve this by themselves, but used together, they become way more powerful tool. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And this is, Chris Belcher made this apparent like when he first started talking about his design last year, right? So, so Chris's plan is to deprecate join market and replace it with, with coin swaps, except with, with, with the, the nuance that he wants to do a combination pay join coin swap. Um, so it, it doubles up on both of those, but I think, I think the focus should be on uh, using these, and, and, and the thing is, uh, from a purist point of view, the coordinated coin joins isn't like purely, you know, distributed, decentralized. It requires a centralized coordinator, right? But if, if those centralized coordinators aren't getting, uh, if regulators aren't saying that those centralized, they're not squeezing those coordinators and we can use those coordinators, this is like kind of Schickler in the logic, you know, like you don't have to go to the full extreme unless you necessarily have to go to the full extreme, right? We can make some trade-offs there in terms of a centralized party that 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 has a trust-minimized relationship with the the whole process. If we can do that, and we can use that as the base, and then coin swap on top of it, it becomes super fucking powerful. And no one would have any. You would you would you wouldn't no have that issue. You wouldn't have that issue of the taint as much. Yeah. Uh, even though there shouldn't be taint. You know, in that adoption, it's 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 that it's, it's a growth period in the beginning, is where you have the issue. If we just immediately had 
the overwhelming majority of wallets are doing coin swaps and just everyone just assumed in the beginning, like, oh, just everyone's doing coin swaps. So that's how the protocol was designed in the beginning. Then you wouldn't have that issue. But as it starts, when, in, when, when we first begin it, um, it's going to be like a major, major headache for coin swap users. And basically what happens is if we don't have the, the equal outputs as a base, if we don't have coin join as a base, I mean, it doesn't even have to be the equal. We could have like a join mark style coin join as the base. If you don't have coin join as the base, we won't get the adoption in the beginning because it'll be so, there'll be so much uh, anxiety or concern over getting in trouble for it. Yeah. For adopting somebody else's history. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, right. yeah. Cause like the way I view it is with the coin join is almost no taint. There's taint, but the taint is coin join. But there's like no hit. It's like the one coin that is like, like I think only like when I visualize it, only post coin join is a taintless is a, is a is a is a taintless coin. Everything else has some kind of history that's attached to it. Bullish on privacy. Who's gonna be the first wallet? Like again, drop the flame wars, come together. A little ego. It's coin join better than coin swap. Coin swap better than coin join. Matt just described. They're stronger together. We're all stronger I'm f- together. I'm fine with this because neither of them are stopping each other. Chris is going to work on his implementation, and it seems like the samurai guys are going to try and add coin swap in the in the in the mode of as a post mix tool. They're going to add it into their post mix thing, and Chris is is working on his implementation. And Bitcoiners will have options, and we'll have we'll have a bunch of options in front of us. Maybe Wasabi Wallet Two comes out. Um, and then we'll have even more options and, and that that's best case scenario. Um, worst case scenario is just like people fight and get discouraged and nothing gets built. And it doesn't seem like we're in that mode, which is good. The only discouragement of the fighting is that it does seem to put off average users, um, who might not be as motivated, but I think maybe those users would probably be put off anyway. And the real motivation is getting burned. So like this fight period that I'm expecting to come up will probably encourage things in the future that are, you know, for users that there's, yeah. Yeah. We can't, you can't force it. This whole thing is supposed to be individual personal responsibility. You can't force users to do anything. Users are going to have to learn on their own why privacy is important and, and be motivated enough to try and seek it out. And like we've been preaching here for years, it's better to get on it early than to have to do it when you absolutely need it. Yeah. And I think like, there's like this idea and I guess shit, there's like a certain corner of like cuck Bitcoin Twitter that is like, that is like, Matt can't talk about privacy as a public person. Like, unless you're like Jason Bourne or James Bond, you're never going to have privacy anyway. So you might as well just walk around and ask the government for permission for everything and just completely trust them with all your financial transactions and every counterparty you ever transact with. And like, that's bullshit. Like there's, there's, it's, there's a scale here. There's a sliding scale here and you can improve you can fundamentally improve your privacy, both in Bitcoin land and greater technology, just your, your world around you, by just caring and just doing small things and improving over time. Yeah, fuck those people. Complacent. Cucks. It's just weird. Fuck a cuck and fuck a cuck buck. Start to a wrap. Start to a wrap in my head there. All right, now I truly have to go. I have to write a band. I've got, I've got dinner with my wife tonight. I'm happy that we talked about those two topics, though. Me too. I love you, Marty. I love you, freaks. Stay humble, stack sets. I love you too. Love all y'all. Peace and love.
I'm like trying to hit on record on local recording. I didn't do local. I did Zoom. Now I'm going to hit stop recording that.